Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. This podcast is part of the Planet Broadcasting Network. Visit planetbroadcasting.com for more podcasts from our great mates. LA. Steel Wars is returning to the Scum and Villainy Cantina on Saturday afternoon, March 10th, for a special podcast panel commemorating the finale of Star Wars Rebels, the weekend of its conclusion. Join a special expert panel to break down the pros, the cons, the ins and outs of the Ghost Crew and their adventures and react to what will be a controversial finale. And Australia Steel Wars returns to the Melbourne International Comedy Festival for three shows over the Easter long weekend. Friday the 30th of March, Saturday the 31st of March, and Monday the 2nd of April, 2pm. Tickets for all these shows are available at SteelWars.com. Hey guys, welcome to Steel Wars. I am comedian Steel Saunders and I do love Star Wars. And each week we find someone of interest to talk about it with. And this week's pre-giggling guest through my introduction, he's just so (laughs) excited to be back from our 100th episode returning guest that we did live at Star Wars Celebration in Europe or London to be exact. It was Europe back then, and it might still be now. I'm not keeping up to the date on this thing. But anyway, welcome back. It is the beloved details. Welcome back to the show, my man. Yay! That was my Muppet, my Muppet yell. Yay! Awesome, awesome, awesome to be back. <laughs> and, and for those that are maybe uh, coming in late, he was Kratnus in... The Force Awakens, one of the uh, the game playing brothers in Maz's Castle, he was Con L One, the marketplace droid in Rogue One, a Star Wars story, and in The Last Jedi, he played Slow and Low, the quite <laughs> narky. That's what we'd call him in Australia, a narky little telltale. That doesn't like just the loose parking of the resistance. He is a stickler for a parking ticket. Um, details. What a what a journey through Star Wars you're having. Oh my goodness. Oh my. Oh my goodness. It's um yeah. I, I'm not really getting much time to stop and and really think about it in depth, but um. Yeah, I do catch my myself every now and again looking back and um, appreciating where I am and, and what it is they've they've been having me do, um, and you know it's it's a fan. I'm a, I'm a I'm a I'm a big time Star Wars fan, and they they keep telling me that I have something to contribute. So, wow, <laughs> you know, like okay, let's do it. 
<laughs> and for those that maybe haven't heard the 100th episode yet, and I advise you to go back and, and listen to that one because it's still pretty evergreen content about D's time uh, making The Force Awakens and, and what it meant to him. Give us a quick Star Wars history of D before The Force Awakens came along. Oh, oh, before Force Awakens? Um, yeah, I was involved in music. I was in a band called Emanate, and um, uh, we had two albums. We did pretty well. We toured with Janet Jackson and um, had remixes from Jodeci and um, were on the Bad Boys movie soundtrack. Um, it, was, yes, it, was, it was a big time in the 90s for boy bands, especially for our, my band in particular. And um, when that band ended, just went into acting um, as I'd been trying to do even before the band. And so it was my perfect opportunity to get myself an agent and to um, put myself out there. And uh, I ended up doing a few um, Shakespeare pieces here and there. And that just kind of progressed into being involved in various productions people were getting involved in, whether it was sci-fi or something um, that they were trying to get have made. Whether they managed to do it or not, I was kind of involved in, in some of those mixes here and there. And um, while um, I was doing um, a series of pantos, um, which are the Christmas shows, kind of spoofy, um, very family-friendly, though, um, that happen around Christmas time each year in in the UK. Um, yes, um, a friend of mine spotted me on there, told Neil Scanlon about me, and um, before you, before I knew it, I was being called in uh, to see Neil Scanlon, and I thought it was um, like every. I mean, most of the creature guys that um, are involved in Star Wars um, got involved through recommendation that way. Um, and now the reason why I was having said Panto is that I was playing Dick Whittington's cat for about five years who kind of strutted around like, uh, the mask of Jim Carrey when he was up on his hind legs, but then he kind of spoke a little bit like, um, donkey from Shrek, um, very innocent, but entertaining for, for the kids and, and things like that. And, um, so yeah, when I went in to see Neil, I thought it was a casting or an interview or something, but nope, it was straight into fittings. And that was, um, yeah, that was the case for most of us. And, uh, yeah, I thought I was being fitted for one of the husk walls that Paul Warren gets to gets to wear and play. Um, and then that all changed. And then I thought, well, that was my, my window of opportunity for Star Wars gone. But I was already celebrating, thinking, wow, I got this close, <laughs> you know. Um, and um, then, yeah, then the phone call came in about possibly um, – uh, performing a, uh, a tiny, a tiny little dude called Kratnus. Uh, well, he wasn't at Kratnus at the time, but playing a tiny little dude, Kratnus. And then he was paired up with Prashi, who was Tom Bell, good friend. Um, and yeah, we kind of tore Maz's castle apart and kind of enjoyed that a little bit way too much. And, um, <laughs> You know, it's, it, it impress. I don't know. It kind of entertained everybody. I was watching someone the other night. Actually, I was watching the behind the scenes on the Force Awakens, and and being kind of like the kind of geeky guy I am. I was kind of watching when it, whenever it got to the background sets. I kind of slowed it down a little bit so I could point and, and find people that I knew. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. And there was one moment where um, Tom and I are sat at the table, and I've got my tiny little feet. Um, uh, resting on the table with my hands behind my head and um, and Tom Bell's shaking his head and um, Derek Arnold has, has taken his head off um, 
his I think it was the foam head I think he was one of the piranhas I think he took off one of those heads and he was just stood there laughing laughing um, at the pair of us but um, Tom Arnold he also um, sorry Derek Arnold he, he also plays um, Pow in in Rogue One and um, yeah he's all over these movies too um, but yeah so I got to do that in the castle and impress Neil to some degree and JJ and um, before you know it uh they had me back in. They had me back in. But in between Rogue One and um, The Force Awakens, in making them, not when they came out, but in making them, um, I, I was part of the TV series Jackal and Hyde on ITV, uh, which went for one season. Um, and I played a creature called the Harbinger, who was half human, half dog. And you get to see my face, but you don't get to see the rest of my body. It's kind of CG'd and by Dean Egg and, and, thing, and a company like that. And, um, yeah, and then that was aired. And then that was aired, I think it was before, I think it was aired before, around about the same time as, as The Force Awakens came out. So, so, yeah, things were moving. And then I got pulled in for Rogue One. And um, that was to play the principal role of the principal droid. Um, I think it, it, I don't know if it was called K2SO back then, but I was brought in for that fitting, and they were building this suit around me, and this beautiful suit of the L1 suit, and um, uh, yeah, eventually we kind of looked. Eventually, it kind of dawned on that they needed it to look more intimidating because I just looked like a different version of a C3PO, yeah, um, as opposed to being some kind of ex-tactical or ex-military or ex imperial kind of droid and um so while they went off to develop k2so um they continued with my l1 droid and um when i found out that things had completely changed um concerning my contract and that part that i was playing the first question i asked was but do you still need me <laughs> and they said yes and i was like that's fine do exactly whatever it is you want to do i'm fine as long as you, as long as you get i have one day on the set um, and um, lucky enough, they kept me under contract for three months, and I had three days on the set, <laughs> and 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 um, had that beautiful moment in um, Rogue One where the kids run up to me. Just as you enter into Rogue One, you see the kids running up to a droid. Yeah. Um, that was on a break, so that wasn't even part of the rehearsals. And um, I had been ad libbing and and play and. Um, kind of staying in character with these kids who were doing exactly the same thing. And it was the most adorable thing ever, you know, that I thought, well, this is an experience I'm going to take away. These kids are just loving this droid and, and stuff like that um, because no one's ever going to know about this unless I talk about it. And then lo and behold, that those two seconds that you see in the movie is when they came running up to me. And um, it was absolutely amazing, absolutely amazing to see that split second in the film as well as being kept in the movie <laughs> when technically they didn't need me in the movie. Obviously, you're overjoyed to you know be on the set of Star Wars uh -oh. and, and to contribute to this saga that you love. But yeah. how did you how did you deal with when you know K two changed in direction? Was that a like I don't know? I, I I'm I'm up like I'm sad for you. Do you know what I mean? I like, <laughs> like, like, like I, I just know how much of you know how much passion you bring to Star Wars, how much you love it, and you know I I, I want to see you front and center. So how was that for you? Are you yeah. more mature than me? Uh, well, <laughs> oh, I, I, I took it. That. I took it pretty bad, man. You seem to be taking it better than me. Oh, 
Oh, well, I think I did. I think I took it better than you. Only from the premise that um, from the time they told me, so there was about two or three two or three months I was doing character research. So I was watching Empire Strikes Back over and over again and, and Return of the Jedi. Not that I was complaining, <laughs> right? <laughs> but it was just to watch how, how um, Anthony Daniels moved because um, as a droid in Star Wars, you take your beat from, from Anthony Daniels' um, C-3PO. You either go to the left of that a little or you go to the right of it a little. Right. You can't be C-3PO. Mm-hmm. So um, I was studying a lot of that. And at one point I said to um, I said to Gareth, I said, is he a tactical droid that is at the base and um, sends out the orders? And when they evacuate... He and the he and the, the generals or admirals or whatever they leave first, or is he out in the field? Because if he's out in the field, then the legs that, the legs that I have, they need pistons to actually um, uh, give reason for um, for certain movements that Gareth Edwards wanted in terms of running and, and things like that, and. Um, I think that was one of the turning points when, uh, in terms of his development. But when I, when they basically said, "Nope, um, uh, it's that that character's being redesigned and 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 being given to somebody else," um, a few things around through my first thing was like, "Oh man, <laughs> that was it. That was supposed Steel, to be like, Steel's, oh, Steel's going to be really so upset about this. He's not going to take this well at all." <laughs> Yeah. Poor Steel. You know, Poor Steel. <laughs> I was thinking about you, man. I was thinking, I was like, oh, let him down. I've let him down. Oh, no. What am I going to do? But, but, but it, was, it was one of those, it was um, a sinking feeling that um, got uh, squashed very, very quickly because when I knew it was going to Alan Tudyk and he was going to be embodying something else, I looked at his body of work and I already know him from my robot. So I'm like, fine, fair enough. <laughs> you know, Fine, fair enough that I cannot argue with that. That's all good. And, um, and then it was the fact that they continued, um, to build my suit. And, um, it was this whole feeling of, wow, I've just been a part of this development process. You know, because even that picture, remember that little graphic you saw at that celebration and it had the original artist design or whatever of the characters for Rogue One? Yeah, yeah. And that, that, that droid at the end? That was me. So that was exactly how he was going to be lined up with all of them. And understanding Lucasfilm and, and, and watching countless hours of their behind the scenes you know how they piece things together you know how everything's micro managed you know how everything gets put into development and starts here and ends up there so i was just like i was i then became over the moon that i was part of that conversation you know there's countless times you look on uh, on on a dvd or um or a documentary and you're seeing these guys that are rehearsing with the main actors or they're rehearsing certain sequences or whatever and then they're going to be removed and they're not even going to be in the film and, and you're thinking wow but to be part of that whole process man they would have called me up i would have done that for the day <laughs> you know <laughs> so, so, so to be in that situation and to be doing it for a company like um star wars and lucas film that 
I know what their process is. I know it. And, and if you include me in it just for a split second, I'm happy. You include me in it for a main part or something like that, I'm happy. But I'm over the moon, you know? <laughs> so, um, so that whole process was um, an, an incredible learning curve. But the beauty of it came um, on the back end. So I had three days work, but they contracted me for three months just in case they wanted to do something or whatever. So I was kind of on hold for three months. Um, and then uh, they didn't have to put me in the movie. Then they put me in the movie at, at, such, an, uh, at such an important, significant time that I was having on the set, experiencing everything around me, experiencing these creatures, experiencing the extras in their um, in their imperial outfits, um, getting to um, interact with Nathan as he was wandering about in his chrome little bug-eyed droid um, suit. And then, uh, you know, because we, because I can hear him complaining. I can hear him saying, <laughs> oh, oh. It's steamed up. I can't see. I can't see. And you know what he said to me? You know what he said to me? He said to me, can you look in this direction? I told Gareth, I couldn't see. I told him I couldn't see anything. <laughs> so we're having, we're having those kinds of conversations. And Nathan, bless him, he is the funniest guy I know on set. Me and Stephanie and the rest of the droids and some of the creatures, if we're anywhere near Nathan, you know, we have to hold it down and keep quiet a little bit because he will have you in stitches. And um, so I was experiencing all of that and seeing the stormtroopers and seeing the new um, helmeted stormtrooper that was driving the tank. And I'm thinking, this is insane. This is, and the thing is, it didn't turn insane until, because you see them standing around without their stormtrooper heads on. As soon as they put those helmets on, it's it's um, it's intimidating and it is quite you know it's eerie. You know it's not you know it's not a horror flick you're filming, but you know that you don't mess with stormtroopers. You know unless you're a principal. <laughs> right? The um, on the Force Awakens, yes. you know you're in Maz's castle, which was a, like yeah. a, a fantastic set, and you know obviously yeah. Harrison Ford's there. You know maybe like. In in retrospect, yeah. you're like, oh my god, that was Daisy Ridley. But back then, you're just like, oh, there's there's a new actress, whatever. But oh, um, oh, so I was sold on on the on the new peeps too. So it was almost like they had been doing it for years. Because once you're in Star Wars and you're casting Star Wars, that's it. <laughs> you know what I mean? You're, that's, you're, that's you're bonafide. You're bonafide. But yeah, then, yeah. but then on Rogue One, you've got this like different experience of seeing this like iconic like costume like of the stormtrooper that that must have just been like like surreal that like i'm i'm playing star wars this is legit i'm this is the best game of star wars ever absolutely because i was i was repeating um some some set movements because i already knew coming in that they were gorilla filming it and you weren't going to be sure of when the camera was going to be on you so i had um maybe a minute's worth or 30 seconds worth of a loop that i was doing on this platform and um i got down off that platform during the break i was helped down by toby um one of the makers and um uh, yeah, and eventually, when I was stood there, and I was chatting to the children and 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 stuff like that. Then they would have me walking around the market because the market was was kind of like in two halves. Um, so there was a lot to cover, and it was filled. It was filled with things and people and everything. And so we did a, we did a couple of um, takes of me walking around. And one of them is I I walked around and one and I saw 
someone filming for a behind the scenes or something like that. And I just walked up to him and I did my little droid thing and then carried on. And I think that's what is being played before you go in to see something in America, some ride or something like that. And you see a glimpse of, of L1 doing that. Ah, um, so I've been told. Cool. Um, and that's where that footage ended up. Um, and then um, what else was there? There was, so there was the walking around, then there was um, on the platform. Um, oh, and then um, they noticed that I was getting on really well with the kids. And so by the entrance where the, where the big tank comes through, there was a downed speeder or a crash speeder. And so they had the kids tinkering around with that and, and me stood with them and, and moving things about or whatever and things like that. Um, so they had that option to, to, to use as well. But that whole experience of getting to use the whole set and you're with these children and these children, if the children are looking at a droid, they just want to know what to call you, you know, and they're saying, who are you? Who are you? I said, I was going, I'm L1. And then they were saying, oh, L1. And they were pointing at this other droid saying, is that, is that R2? Is that R2? Is that R2B2? That's what they were calling <laughs> I said, And I said, I said, no, no, no. Uh, and, and whatever. But we were just carrying on. But it was, it was kind of, it was just improv with the most sincere minds on the set. Um, and you had the whole set to do it. So that whole experience was, was incredible. And then the big tank. Um, when they said, <laughs> the when they big said, tank. You, uh huh. When they set that baby loose, it was yeah. It was. <laughs> you had no. I had no idea of the story in terms of what was happening next and and the conjunction or whatever. Because also that rebel fight sequence that took place, um, I wasn't there those days, so I didn't really know what was going on. I just knew stuff was about to get heavy. Um, but yeah, it was incredible being on that set. But that's what all of their sets are. You know, whether it's um, uh, a castle that's been turned into a cantina, whether it's a marketplace, the set designers, the builders and everything, they, they you know, they pull out the stops. And I remember st- being stood on the platform and while we were, while they were on a break setting up the camera or whatever, there was a guy on one of the furthest roofs and he was looking down and I couldn't tell if he was looking at me or not, but I leant back just to look up at him and I gave him a little wave. And then he waved back. And I just thought that was just awesome because I will remember that and he'll probably remember <laughs> some 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 little droid waving at him or something. But there is there is this thing of you know where you are. You know where you are, you know what to expect, um, and you kinda know what to do. You know, so that whole experience was was beautiful. Um just and for that short period of time too. You know, because that was two days in Jeddah. Then the third day that I did was one one of the pickups um, where they stuck me in the alleyway in in the red version of my of my L one suit. Ah. And um, and um, that was yeah, that was that was a days that was a days filming, and I got to meet some other people in there. I think there was a Twi'lek in that alleyway as well, um, somewhere. But yeah. All of it and, and things that I could walk the whole the whole length of that alleyway and um, and you can see all the work, all the time and effort that's gone into building these things and it's uh, making these things. And you're thinking, of course, man, it has to be done right. For Star Wars, <laughs> you know, yeah. well, I think um, there's, there's a bit of a, a lesson in in all of this that, you know, like this thing that I took very badly, you're not getting the, the lead droid role. But um, yeah. you took in your stride and you went on set 
And by the sounds of it, you sort of, you know, went to the maximum, like, enthusiasm into it, the fact that you're in character, like, off-camera playing with these kids. And yeah. in, in doing that, giving it your all, that, that's what sort of ensured you made it into the film, which is, it, it's kind of like sweet little um, loop around. Um, yeah, I, I never, yeah. I guess you can look at it that way, but it, I think it is. I think it's, it's something, something very. Uh, there's, I call it Star Wars magic because there's, there's, there's a lot of things that go on, and people are realizing, and people are discovering, or um, experiences people are having that the only reason why they're having them is because of this association and this, um, and this, this galaxy far, far away that we're working in um, that takes place. There was. Um, what was I going to say when you were saying that? You talk about um, uh, and and uh, taking it in my stride type of thing. Um, it was yeah. It's it, the costume that they made for me was absolutely exquisite. It's as far as a droid suit. That's what I, that's what my first droid suit, and it's one that was made to fit. You know, um, and it was absolutely exquisite. And the way that the head works is that if you take off the lower jaw or the lower part of it it looks like your robocop with the with the visor ah, over the eyes. yeah yeah and then then the bottom half clicks in with these with these powerful magnets um but what toby and um neil like neil ellis had done is put strategic holes in there dude if you put me in a suit that i can breathe in i will stay in it all day I will perform in that, it all day. That, that is the details promise. <laughs> <laughs> but it is, you know, and, and the thing is, sometimes I can get a bit too comfortable and we can all end up too comfortable. I mean, all the creatures. And we always have to remind ourselves that even if we don't want air blown in, we have to have the air blown, blown in to circulate the air inside. Otherwise, we'll pass out and not even see it coming. Ooh. You know, um, but with this suit, and I'm shooting outside, I was I was cool. I was I was happy, you know. And and getting to kind of still like like we were saying, improvise and play around with these kids in between the downtimes made the day move even faster, you know. But it, it expanded on the whole experience. Um, but yeah, it was yeah, it was a beautiful experience considering. Um, uh, the contract that I had started out on. So, but you know, it's Star Wars, and either you, uh, you know, for me, it's kind of like. Remember, remember, I was telling you that I got into Star Wars by watching the making ofs. Yeah, yeah. Um, before I even saw the films, I think that's playing a big part too, because the making ofs and everything else inspired me to want to become an actor. But when I'm on set and when I'm in between those takes and things like that there is still an element of energy you need to keep up. And, and if it inspires the people around you to keep up their energy um, by taking their mind off the long day ahead, by just, by just sinking into this one moment or this one space and saying, you know what, I'm in a saloon. I'm, 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 in, I'm in a castle. I'm, in, I'm, in, I'm on a different planet, you know, then so be it, you know, and that, and, that's how I always saw it when I saw the making ofs. So, so yeah, it, I think there's a lot of those things that are, that are trans translating for me as I move into the into yeah. these into these films. But I, but, I just um, I, I love like since doing this podcast, since starting it a, a, a little under yeah. three years ago, 
And as I I talked about it, I, I sort of like talking about it all the time. I, I feel like has changed my mood, like my, right. my my overall weekly mood, because you know quite often I'm you know making these shows, being like enthusiastic about something right. that I love, and and I don't know that yeah. the, the endorphins or just that sort of thinking, you know, positive, but. You know, just being into something is um, is quite powerful for your spirit. But I also found that it rubs off on people, and you know, people just yeah. like people, people just like seeing people enthusiastic. And what I love about this story of you, um, you know, playing this droid is just how, like, you just enthusiastic, like, you enthused your way into the role. Like, at at no point were you going to say this is a bummer. I was meant to be the main <laughs> droid. Like you just like, it's so it's, I, I just think it's such a good life lesson for everyone. Do you know what I mean? Like right. it, it's tough and yeah. like, it's like, and people have different standards. Like, you know, you're on the set of star Wars for everyone else. That's amazing. But in your world, it's like, Oh yeah, but I could have done this. Do you know what I mean? But then at the same time, you're posting pictures of you, um, playing the character in The Last Jedi. And then I've got Tom Bell, your old Maz's <laughs> castle partner, who played Prashy. He's DMing me just like, I'm not in this one. So <laughs> it's a spectrum, do you know what I mean? Everyone's got highs and lows, but you get yeah. your chin up and uh, you got it done. And, well, and that is awesome. Yeah, and, but, then, but, then, but then also it's, um, it's what Neil... Um, requires from from all of our, all of us as performers that um, regardless of whether you are in the background or or, or close to camera or, or a hero hero character for some in some description, you you sell it you sell it from from beginning to end you know and especially as a creature because you never know if you're going to be in a in a legacy creature outfit. Um, let alone just a hero outfit. So depending on where they place you, you know, you can't let your performance drop for one second thinking, oh, they're only going to take two seconds of me or whatever. No, it's, 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 it's all the way through. It's 100% all the time, you know, because we also, and, and that's another thing, you understand with Lucasfilm, you never know. You never know what they're shooting. You never know how they're going to piece it together. Um so you 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 it's it's a hundred percent every single time and I, and that's what we as as a team bring um and we're supported by our dressers and 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 people in makeup and and the animatronics the guys in puppetry and animatronics they're they're something else <laughs> you know that's another breed that's another breed of entertainment that is just beautiful because they just they just do what they do and they take it in their stride and we sit there with our mouths open, you know, especially when they go through the list of films they worked on. Oh, I worked on Dark Crystal. Oh, really? <laughs> oh, well, I worked on Muppets, Muppets Christmas Carol. No sugar. Oh, I worked on Legend. Oh, what? It, it just goes on. And, and you know, one of the best people to talk to is Kieran Shah. Kieran Shah, man, I will allow that man to talk my ears off any day of the week. His, his film experience, whenever he walks onto a set, he is the most experienced person on that set and is respected by the producers and the directors because he's worked on films that inspire them to do their jobs. <laughs> How surreal is that? That is awesome. You know, 
and and he remembers her, all the stories like it happened yesterday. So it's there is there is a beautiful camaraderie um, within CFX, and um, everybody understands what everybody has to go through because some suits will be extremely difficult, a lot more difficult than than others, and it's um, how you conduct yourself and 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 manage that stress during giving a performance um that we're all we're all a part of we're all in on and we we kind of all have each other's back for for that perspective as well yeah. but yeah you know it's it is what it is and and for for um for rogue one there was there were so many beautiful things about that movie i mean when i when i whenever i see myself on the screen as as a creature or anything like that I was telling someone the other day, I'm telling my brain, that's me. My brain's saying, that don't look like you. That ain't you, right? <laughs> and so by the time I've had that argument in my head, the scene's long gone. So it does take a few viewings for me to watch something, you know, and, and try and convince my brain that that's, that's actually me. But like everybody else, like you guys, I'm a fan. So I don't know anything about the story. So I'm... I'm I only know about a split second of a scene that I'm in and to get to see it in the cinema and have it blow my mind. And, you know, I'm not really into supporting villains or stormtroopers or, or things like that, but Mendo, man, I, I told you, man, man, Mendo. <laughs> Mendo. Mendo, Mendo, Mendo. That dude, that dude is sick. That, you know, he's, I, you know, I know, I know Vader's a bad villain or whatever and stuff. Yeah. We all know that, but Mendo, nah, he was twisted. You know, I liked, I liked him a lot. Mendo's um, the man. But, but, I didn't, but I didn't know anything about him until I saw the film. So things like that, you know, a lot of these films, I get to enjoy them the same way you guys do. You get to double um, dip. Uh-huh. <laughs> I, wh- wh- one of my favorite things that I've, I've continued since I was, like, really young is, is you see these initial images of the film. Like, I, I always remember seeing um, this promo picture of a Gamorrean guard with a red background. Oh and yeah. you know, it tur- and I, I couldn't work out what that red background was. It, it turns out it was the, the sail barge. If, if, if the right. films came out in a different order, I may have thought it was uh, Snoke's throne room. But, <laughs> but I love seeing these initial images, and, and that's what we do now as adults. We've just seen all these um, you know, Han Solo images, and we're, we're trying to, whoa, what, what are they doing in this? You know, that, it's really fun. But with you yeah. with like no real knowledge of, of the script and you're walking around Jeddah and you see like a crashed X-Wing, like what are you formulating yeah. in your head at what's going on? Um, I'm not. I'm just, I'm just buying into that's an X-Wing. <laughs> <You know? laughs> and, and, it's, and it's a life-sized X-Wing. Um, it's, a, it's a speeder. I can jump in that. The, the, everything is built to scale. And, you know, I know that I'm not going to be told what's going on. I might hear through the grapevine. I might hear whispers from, from what some of the other guys are working on, on on other scenes and stuff like that. But I don't try to get too invested because um, I, like, I like seeing stuff fresh as well. But if I'm not involved in that, then don't tell me too much about it. If there's a problem I can help you with, <laughs> then, then so be it. But otherwise, I kind of steer away. But, you know, it's like if... If um, if you guys could, I don't know. If Lucasfilm did a competition and, and and you guys, a few of you guys got to got to win a competition to come on set, you would know exactly what I'm talking about. 
you know, um, and you would get it instantly. It's not a, a, an alien world as such that you won't get it when you're there. You'll know if you're stood here on, um, on, a, on a certain part of a planet. You'll know if you're stood in a market or in a cantina. You'll know if you're stood on um, uh, an imperial ship you know, or on the Falcon or something like that, you'll know. So therefore, the next thing, the next thing that will come out of your mouth is, can someone put me in a suit? Yeah. <laughs> yeah we don't care what suit is, but if you're surrounded by extras, they're doing their thing. Stunt people, they're doing their thing. Creatures are doing their thing. You, you will have no choice but to do your thing. And you'll know exactly what that thing is because you know, Star Wars, you know, um, the Rebels cartoon is no different than, than the feature films. You know, the feature films are no different than what's going on in the books. Um, what's going on in the books is no different than what's going on in the comics. You know the tone. You know what, how to carry yourself. If you're in a Stormtrooper outfit, you know how to carry yourself. Attitude, even though you can't aim for, for, for poodoo. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> Ooh, I caught that one. I caught that one. I caught that one. <laughs> that, that, was a, that was some excellent in-universe swearing. <laughs> I salute you. That was great. <laughs> but, but you, you, you've I been mean, you've been hanging out on Jetta too much. <laughs> Filthy mouth. Um, let's, sorry, I must apologize. I must apologize. <laughs> you're right. You did a good job. Now let's talk about how um, your your journey to uh, slow and low in the Last Jedi began. Uh, Oh, wow. Wow. <laughs> well, he started off as a beachcomber and his outfit was like these three quarter length. Um, no, no. T- talk, talk about how, talk about how you, like you began the journey with it. Like, so- like how, how did you get, like, you're just at home, the phone rings. What's going on? How does, oh, how does details oh. get the call? <laughs> Is there a special Lucasfilm <laughs> gold phone in details apartment that he just waits to ring and it's neil scanlon just saying suit up buddy you're coming in what what goes on well well yeah neil kind of uses the force and he kind of telepathically just says d and i just hear that and my ears prick up and um and that's (laughs) then followed by a swift phone call so i normally get a phone call from from the office and um you know, there's nothing for them to describe to, to me as to what I'm going in for, um, because some of these things and creatures are, are in mid-development. So they, it's just do, to come do, try, try things on. Do they, do they ring up and say, are you still the guy that will do anything? Okay, yes. <laughs> we've, got, <laughs> we've got something for you, buddy. Come in. Well, pretty much, pretty much. <laughs> you know, I think they, they know that they're asking me because it's just a formality. Because whenever they ask me, they say, um, we just want to know, are you going to be available for the next one? You know, that's how it normally starts. And, and I have to say, you know? back to, I'm, I'm harping on the life lessons of details. But also, <laughs> if you if you cracked it, you know, like if you sort of lost your cool about, you know, the different role, like the way, I think like the way you took it, it's like, oh, let's get this dude back. He's a team player. He's like team Star Wars. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, from what I'm understand, what I've learned and gained from an understanding of, of what we do collectively is that um, 50% of it is down to talent. The other 50% is down to temperament. You know, you've got to, some people can panic putting on a head for a long period of time. You know, um, 
or, or feel claustrophobic in just the head or let alone a bodysuit or something. Uh, and it's um, also dealing with, with heat. You know, uh, there's a lot of, you know, there's, there are so many, there are so many kind of things. Uh, when I think about it, I have to try and pick them out individually, kind of maybe the costume is heavy. Maybe it doesn't let you move in a natural position. Maybe you've got to hold your position in a, in a difficult position for quite a while. Um, maybe you can't see too good. Maybe you can't see at all, so you're totally in the dark for hours on end, but you've got someone um, with an ear, in your ear as an earpiece telling you exactly where to turn or whatever and um, asking you, do you want some air? Someone nods their head, then they'll get some air blown in. Um, if production say, oh, yeah, it's going to be another 10 minutes before we get going again, it'll take you five minutes to put the head on. Yeah, yeah, give that person some air. Then they'll take the head off, you know, um, or open up the suits and get the air in. Um, you've got to deal with that. And, and even, um, you know, um, you could have an itch on your nose that you cannot scratch, but they've just yelled action. <laughs> you know, it's, you, you do it. You, it's just, your mind just takes over and says, look, man, we're in Star Wars. Well, mine does anyway. It says, you're in Star Wars, so you just get on with it. You know, um, but professionally, you just get on with it anyway. Um, but if you're there and you start complaining, I mean, there was, uh, I mean, I heard a story, don't know how, yeah, I know it's pretty true, but I don't know who it is or whatever. But I heard a story that um, a competition won, a comp sorry, a competition winner won um, the chance to be a stormtrooper in Jeddah and um, spent less than um, two hours in the suit before he had had enough. And, you know, Neil, Neil was like, man, but there are, there are people out there that would die for this. And this guy's only spent two hours. You know, it's, it's things like that. You know, um, you do have to take into account. You want to be on set. Wait, you want to wait, wait. Sorry, D. We're just gonna have to stop for a minute because I, I I can't pos I, I can't podcast while I shake my head this much. <laughs> <laughs> you blew it. You had one job, competition winner. It was to storm troop. Get in the you suit, know? fool. Oh my you know, god! It, yeah, yeah, literally, literally. When I had heard that, and, and that was on one of the days that I got, I had gone in, and I, I, I heard do, that dude, one. dude, I know, I know what you thought as soon as you heard that. Steel is not going to take this well. <laughs> I know. I'm like, st Steel could have been here. He would have beamed himself here if he could have. I would have been you know? all, all so over that. Podcasts live and breathe off listener word of mouth. Listeners just like you. If you can spare a couple of seconds to spread the word about this episode of Steel Wars, the episode is normally pinned to the top of the Twitter feed for the entire week, making it easy for you to find and hit a little retweet or a little vouch that you're enjoying this really fun episode. And if you say something nice, more often than not, I'll retweet it and that gets your Twitter account out to thousands and thousands of other Star Wars fans that might follow you back. See? It's win-win. There's no trick to it. It's just a simple trick. Please, pot it forward and enjoy the rest of the show. You know, you talk about how, you know, being a team player and, and having good attitude and, and enthusiasm, like, you know, that, yeah. that, that keeps you on the set. So... It, it makes you wonder how Tom Bell acted on the set of The Force Awakens, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Pretty, 
Crashy is out of there. You're done, son. <laughs> yeah, he, yeah. He didn't. He didn't take it too too well that I had to keep winning all the time, or I was winning all the time. You know, look at look at Crashy's face. He ain't happy. You know, and at some point, you know, he's gonna let rip. So, um, so maybe he let rip at the wrong person. <laughs> <laughs> oh man so um you, you get the call you get the call on the magic phone yeah. and uh yeah. I, I guess you've got to head in for for fittings on the first day yes. or well, do, give us yeah. your, give us your first day of of the last jedi oh okay right now this is this is good stuff because i'm trying to remember and i'm going back to at least two years now you know so it's difficult so even when i'm posting things i'm having to check with everybody who made what I don't want to miss anyone out. So, um, so first day, it's it was, um, or the first time I went in, it was to go in and see um, Vanessa because Vanessa was doing the um, fabrications for under the clothes and making sure that um, the head that I was going to put on was going to be comfortable. Um, I think. I um, see. I'm, I'm I'm going back. I don't even know. Who to who to actually praise for building that head at this moment in time? But I'd go in and I'd try the head on. Oh, when it's before it's even painted. So before it's painted, I'll try it on, make sure that I can see or if it needs adjusting. Um, because I would be looking. Um, how was I looking? I was looking through one of his nostrils. So through one of his nostrils, I can see kind wow. of in the direction of going left. You know, the left nostril, but then a big blank space before I start look out the right nostril and I can see. So there is a big blind spot in the center. All right. so, um, so you have to make sure you've blown your nose before you um, start walking around. <laughs> yeah, well, those, those nose hairs are trimmed. Yes. <laughs> so, um, um, and that's another thing, you know, the micro hairs. Whenever you see hair on something, it's Maria, Maria Cork's department, the same department that look after Chewy. So, um there's a lot of a lot of hands that go in that get involved in some of these outfits. So I'll try on the head, I'll try on the fabrication, and they'll try on different variations of of the outfit. So my first outfit was three quarter length trousers and um, a long kind of um, sleeveless vest type of garment on the top of that, just to see how it was all going to hang. And and then yeah, that would be it. And then I would go back home and I'd be like, okay, cool. They said to come in maybe next week because next week they may have some, some more um, layers to add to the clothes or there's been a clothing change. Um, and then I'd go in for that and then I'd be called back in because now they want to try the head on that's been painted with the costume to make sure it works. Um, and then and then I'll go away, then I'd come back and then they would say, oh, we've got the fingers for you, you've got his hands. So they've made hands um, and painted them for me. Um, and then, uh, yeah, then I'd, be, I'd try the head on again and the whole outfit and Neil would plug in the head. You know, and and Neil himself would would muck around with the remote control, make sure everything's moving. And if there's some, if there's a range of movement that he is after that, and no one's thought about, he does this quite a lot. He'll say, "Oh, well, how about moving this there, or whatever?" And then everybody's eyebrows go, "Oh yeah, yeah, we could do that." And so um, that's how things slowly get developed. And Slow and Low's outfit was being developed by Michael Kaplan, so that outfit had to look right. And it had to hang right. So as 
they were dressing him and defining more about the look of how people were dressed for Canto Bites Casino. Um, I had to kind of be able to merge with that a little bit, even though I live in Canto Bites, I'm not actually um, frequenting the casino that much. You know, I just end up, I just pop in and pop out, which is why he wears the kind of gown that he does. And, yeah. you know, he... Swollen Lowe's a bit of an artist hippie from uh, what I can read. Yes. I mean, the first note that I got as regards to a performance was um, when he was, when he had the three quarter length um, trousers on, which was, he's a beachcomber. So he's got his metal detector. He's looking for something on the beach. He sees a ship fly overhead and that's your shot D. I'm like, oh, okay, cool. And then as I'm going in for these What's he complaining about then? If he's, if he's got a metal detector, he, he just found a big bit of metal. This should be like the best day of his life. Jackpot. <laughs> yeah, should, have sold, should have sold it before they got back. Right on. Um, but yeah, and so I thought, okay, cool. But in these fittings, that's when you start hearing things. So they're saying, oh, no, it's changing slightly. I think he's, um, I think you actually have got some dialogue at some, while you're on the beach or oh, at some yeah. point. Oh, so, yeah. So I keep quiet because there's no point delving into that because no one has any real answers. So you just listen to everything. And um, so that went on for a little while. And then when they had enough of the creatures semi-ready, we had rehearsals. And um, this is something we didn't have on Force Awakens. But I think Paul Casey asked for it specifically because of how much work was going to be involved in on in and on the 007 stage. Because Ryan Johnson had mapped out exactly where each creature was going to be. He needed to know where they were all going to be so he could capture as many of them as possible. And uh, that's when... I got to rehearse and found out that Ollie Taylor was going to be operating um, Sloan's face and Stephen Kinman was going to assist him um, in that rehearsal. And I was stood there and to the left of me, um, I'm opening up the book now because I've got to try and find this character's name. Um, uh, Am I getting close? She was on the yacht as they approach um canto bite and um i'm with her and another character um in this book i'm I'm just looking through the visual dictionary yeah you're right we can cut around it okay right here it is um what's her name um uh there's a there's a Victor captured um, Baron Baron Yatso Atzman. That just flows off the tongue. <laughs> yeah. So so I'm stood there with Baron Yatso Atzman, and um, who's the lady? The lady is Ubayala Gale. Ubayala Gale. They're the first two creatures you see as they fly into um, Canto Bight. Mm-hmm. The girl is, is Samantha, is um, an actress model. And the guy playing um, the Baron is another actor called Peter. And so I'm stood there um, in between those two, while in front of me, what, as I can see them, is Ollie Taylor and Steve. So I can watch them and turn my head as if I'm looking at... Um, the actress, or if I'm looking at uh, if I'm looking at Samantha, or if I'm looking at Peter, and but I can see what they're doing, and what what was happening is they were speaking for me, and I was just acting it all out, 
And uh, from the look on Stephen's face, I could tell what my range of motion was supposed to be. Mm-hmm. So I got used to that, and that was hilarious. It was brilliant. I'd never done it before, but it was brilliant. And then Paul Casey came over to me, and he goes, all right, your line is, um, uh, yeah, those are the two guys, and that's it. So, so I was like, oh, okay, cool. So I start saying it and finding the mo and, and finding the motion and the cue for it. So there's a there's a dip before I then perform it. And that dip would read to Ollie and say, there we go. And I wouldn't be saying it. Ollie would be following that and going into what I would say as I would say it. So I could hear him in my ear. Do you get me? Mm-hmm. Do you understand? Yeah. Right? So he would do that. And so we'd find the synergy and kind of um and then, and then a performance would come through. And so we did that. And then, um, yeah, the day came and the casino and 007 stage was awesome. <laughs> Just tables everywhere. Um, extras everywhere. It was packed. And uh, I said to Ryan, I said, to, um, Ryan, I get it. So he's kind of like a, a rich kind of character. And he goes, no, no, no. He goes, he goes oh, no, I think of him more as, um, as a chilled out hippie. And, I, and then my shoulders dipped, and I was like, yeah, I can do that. And he goes, and he goes, and he goes, yeah, he, he sounds more like, yeah, yeah, those are the guys. And so, and I did it back, and he said, perfect. And so um, I went in, and I, and I, I told Ollie, who was operating it um, um, while I was on the set, um, that it's more of this tone or whatever. And yeah, it was fair enough. And then and it's just like, okay, D, can we have you step in and do this? And the bit that you see in that film, I think that was two takes. <laughs> yeah. And I can't say that was just totally down to me. I'd never worked with, with somebody else to be in that kind of synchronization with just to get it and nail it just spot on. You know, so I delivered the line. Yeah, yeah, those are the guys. And then they said, oh, and see, see, see the police grab Finn and Rose? And then put them on the ground, and then you get that little step, and I oh, and then and then I went off, and Ollie caught the eyes on the ooh as I went off, and they just loved it. Nice. Um, and then after that, right? So okay, so that's that was that sequence before even the voice change and everything. So that was that, and then I said to Neil, I said to Neil, Neil, is there any chance I could do the ADR for for Slow and No, do his voice? And he says, I don't see why not. Why don't you just ask Ryan? And I was like, okay. Now, at this point, I was scared to ask Ryan. <laughs> I was scared because the man's busy. The man's the director of this movie. And, well, I, you know, I just there had to be a right time and a right place to ask a question like that. And so, you know, um, I then find myself out in Dubrovnik um, with a couple of other characters to play. And uh, I'm over in Dubrovnik and I'm like, you know, it's not the right time. Can't really ask him now. Can't really ask him. No, no, no. Can't ask. And so, we did the sequence of uh, of me being on that um, beachfront and talking to the police. Um, and um, when you see that shot, I'm not actually looking directly at the police officer um, because if I turned my head, it wouldn't read. So I've turned my head to from. So if the police officer's at nine o'clock, I'm looking at kind of five, five to ten. You right. And so Ollie can then operate the eyes and the eyes can sell the rest of that shot. 
Um, and so I was just given ranges of movement to do and and to nod and, and as if I'm telling them something. So Ollie could move that around for whatever they were going to put on top of that in terms of, of dubbing. And so did that. And uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. By the time we got back to the by the time we got back to the UK, I finally did ask Ryan, and he said, "Oh yeah, sure, sure, yeah, no problem." And like I said before, when you understand how they work in in, in Lucasfilm and, and stuff like that, when I asked that question, first of all, I was like. Yes, I asked him. It sounds like it's high school over again, trying to like ask yeah, someone on a date. <laughs> Ryan, yeah, Ryan, Ryan um, <laughs> I, I think the world of you. I'm loving to be in the movie. Can can I speak in your movie, please? I would I would like to open my mouth in your movie, please. <laughs> May I? <laughs> No. And so um, I was thrilled more about that than him saying yes, because I know that it's going to be months, let alone a year before the movie even comes out. And by the time it all gets to the States, that might all change and so on and so forth. So I was just happy that I built up the nerve to ask him um, if he had said at the time, either that, that how about this? Either I'm going to do the vocal as Ryan or um, I'm going to get my buddy Joseph to do it. If he had said that to me at the time, <laughs> you know, I would have said, just go with it. <laughs> go with it, please. Please, either one is good for me. Just go with it. You know, so so when we're getting closer to the film coming out and I still hadn't found out my character's name, you know, or anything, or even if I was still in the movie. Right. Then. Then I was talking to um, one of the dressers, um, this, one of the assistants to my Kaplan, um, Samantha, and she said, I'm sure Joseph Gordon-Levitt is doing your voice. I was like, say what now? Where, where did you hear that? Right. I, in fact, I put her on hold <laughs> and I just went and Googled as much as I could find. And um, lo and behold, I found um, his his post on Twitter or something like that. And I was like, Oh wow. Joseph Gordon Levitt is doing the voice of one of my characters. Then I'm like, hang on a second. He's named after a Beastie Boys song. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> my mind is going insane, right? I'm going, oh my goodness. And then to top it off, people started thinking that it was Joseph Gordon Levitt actually making the cameo. Hey, let, let's just settle down with this. <laughs> Details in the house. Well, you know, it's funny because it's like I can, I now have found a way to enjoy those kind of moments because I know they're wrong, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and I know that it will come out eventually or whatever. But it's like when we were in Dubrovnik, all of these concepts and all of these stories, all these people that were just too impatient to wait to be given something were saying, it's Han Solo's funeral. Oh, and it's this going on. And it's that. And I knew when we got there, we were part of a chase sequence. So it's going to be two seconds, two seconds yeah, of everything. But, but, but that right? said, that said, that said, every good funeral does have a chase sequence. <laughs> Follow that casket. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a classic. It ain't a funeral unless you've got a chase. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but that's what I mean about, um, you know, people saw the, the clips of Dubrovnik 
and you know they've got this this quick image and then they're just like immediately like it's kind of the fun of it to go it's Hans funeral or it's this or it's that <laughs> or you know what I mean like that's like the part of the fun of like the lead yeah. up to a film is like taking this image and going and like like you know being a little kid and and having your imagination go it's this and that yeah. and that because we don't have yeah. you know it's it's kind of sad that as kids you know we could get these quite often not very good likenesses of these figures these these kind of action figures and we could go out in the backyard and, and play star wars all day and yeah. i like the you know now if you like i can't do that i don't have that like i like it kind of would be very odd if i did have it but i kind of wish i did like it would be rad just to sit on the floor and be entertained playing with star wars figures but i think like the 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 older person or the older fans version of that of playing star wars is kind of like seeing these images and trying in your head using your imagination to like you know put the puzzle pieces in and yeah. I, I think that's like yeah the grown up version of of going out the back and and, and bashing around here's, with your Kenner figures but then here's here's the thing if you're a grown up adult um, which very few of us are, mm-hmm. and you can enjoy you can enjoy a cartoon and that's made for a five year old to a twelve year old. You know you can enjoy that loosely, and you know there's impossibilities going on there. You know there's ridiculous stuff happening there, but you accept it. You know that's that's all it is, and that's all Star Wars kind of asks for those from those who have that nostalgia. You know, just just take this. This, you know, the story isn't finished. You've jumped in in the middle of a soap opera. Everything you think you know about Star Wars, you do not know about Star Wars because we're not finished telling you about Star Wars. (laughs) (laughs) You You know, and 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 the thing is, you know, you get a lot of these logical, deep philosophical answers and saying, well, I wasn't keen on this and I wasn't keen on that and, and this bit had problems with and whatever. And, you know, and once you go down that route, you kind of pollute your own, you start to pollute your own joy, you know, and, and that's a shame because like you're saying, it's, it's, about, it's about the passion of just enjoying being a kid. When I watch a Muppet movie, am I, am I raging? Am I going insane saying that does not make any sense? <laughs> when I paid my money for that Muppet ticket, I know exactly what I'm going in there to watch. If I pay money to go and see Jumanji, I'm, I'm going to be complaining that the pretty girl turned into Jack Black and it wasn't the other way around, right? But it's not going to, it's not going to disrupt, disrupt my enjoyment of the movie, <laughs> you know? When I'm watching Triple X, you know, it's impossible. Transporter, impossible. It's, I know it's not Jason Bourne. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like um, for a lot of, the, a lot of these deep thinkers – all it is is understand this. Just grab yourself in that moment and saying, I'm being an adult. You know, if I've got an issue with this and it's going to actually taint my enjoyment of the whole movie because of this one moment or this one little thing, you know, I need to take it back and ask myself, do I have issues with, with how Bert and Ernie met um, and who pays the rent and how did Ernie get the rubber ducky? And, you know, and, and actually, I don't believe that those bubbles in that bathtub are actually real. You know, because it's that same exact level. You know, if you know what you're going in there to watch, enjoy, man. There, yeah. There's got to be things. I, 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 I think the sort of maybe, it, like the, the lesson is to how you want to analyze it, make sure it's staying, it's a positive thing in your life. Like if it's making you, 
like think it's these negative the thoughts. Point. And and you know, there's nothing I find more fun, you know, seeing a Star Wars film and then in the following months going to people, I like this bit. I didn't like this bit. Oh, yeah. I, I like that bit. But when it's like it it sort of pollutes your mind and is and it's like upsetting your mood, then yeah. that's when it's sort of like maybe you need to sort of just alter how you're enjoying the film or trying to enjoy it. But, you know, like to the, the Sesame Street or the Muppets thing, like I, like I understand that in principle, but part of what brings people into it is that world building that, you know, when we stepped into A New Hope, it was this story that was already happening and it looked like it had been happening for a hundred years, the way everything had worn out and we were just entering it in there. So there is that sort of, it does invite that ana- analysis, but you, you have to sometimes, especially now with the internet, keep it on, on a positive level. Yeah, because you have to understand, you have to understand that if you came into Star Wars for the originals um, at whatever age, and then you come in for the prequels at whatever age, and then you come in for these, you understand that at some point you've, you've, you've gone from being part of that target audience to the children being the generational audience to enjoy those films Every, and and the passion that we have for those films is called nostalgia you know um there's a lot of people getting confused with nostalgia giving them ownership like they've just joined the story group <laughs> you, know? <laughs> you know and it's like you know, you know my nostalgia says that i should be entitled to say the story should go like this and but no it doesn't you know you ain't telling the story and they ain't done telling the story you know, enjoy what you're being given. Okay, and and, and it, it saddens me sometimes when when I can th- I can see or read so much passion um, on, on the internet, and it's so negative. And they've just killed some some the points that they've made. They've just killed some of the most joyous, some of the most biggest arcs in in the movie, um, or they've let some insignificant moments in the movie spoiled their enjoyment and i'm just like no 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 you're you're looking at it through adult eyes let go let go man it, the joy is yeah we can see some of the problems or whatever and stuff like that but if you're sat there with a five-year-old you're not going to say you're not start whinging to the five-year-old you know what that isn't supposed to happen because and, and go into one with the five-year-old <laughs> you know? yeah let them I, enjoy that yeah I, I always find with stuff like that that as long as, like, if I don't agree or it didn't sort of turn out how I thought. Like, for instance, in The Last Jedi, the, the you know, as you probably all too well know, the, the one thing I wanted was to see Luke Skywalker ignite the green. You know, you've, you've got the T-shirt, D. Yes. And yes. it didn't happen. The You know, obviously in the flashback it happened, but I, I don't really count that because it's not... It was when he ignited it, it was the opposite of what I wanted. Like I wanted to ignite it as a symbol that he's a hero. And when he ignites it, ironically, in The Last Jedi, it's when he was the least heroic he's ever been. However, at the end of the film, he comes out and he pulls out the lightsaber and it's blue. And I'm watching this for the first time, you know, like in Star Wars, this thing, I've talked about it for two years, is the most important thing to me in Star Wars. (laughs) And the yes. thing, and it's blue. It's meant to be green. Yes. Do you know what I mean? This is yeah. what I've been waiting for for 30 plus years. And yes. in my head, I'm like, well, that's not what I wanted to happen. But as long as Ryan Johnson explains his reason, as long as there's a reason that sort of like 
a, a storytelling reason that it's blue and not green, well then I'm yeah. fine. Like if 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 the if the reason is sort of like you know a reasonable thing, and you know he's sort of talked about why he went with the blue, then I, I'm cool with it. If you disagree with the choice, but there's a sort of logical reason, then you sort of <laughs> have to go. Well, that's not what I would have done. But it checks out. Let's that, move along to the next thing rather than just like going, that's it. I'm done with this film. <laughs> like I, my, my biggest hurdle in The yeah. Force Awakens is that Leia doesn't hug Chewie. I just think it's ridiculous. I just can't, I can't <laughs> understand how anyone like in editing this film saw that shot and was just like, Oh, that's so weird. And, you know, and, and, and they deprive you of this chance to release your emotion about losing Han Solo when, when these guys, oh, right. you know, hug. Oh, right. yes. And yes, yeah. I just have to go, well, that's not what I would have done. And, and JJ's reason, which I admire him saying, is just like, yeah, I messed that one up. That's it's it, we're making a movie and I mess it up rather than going into it's the Wookiee morning process like oh uh, you know, spare me that you dribble know. you've got an issue like you just have to like go okay this bit's not for me what's going to happen next let's 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 see what happens next you know what you're absolutely right on all of those points but at the same time <laughs> you have to fill in those blanks for yourself. That's what the five-year-old to the 12-year-old you would have done. Mm-hmm. All of these things, all of these questions that they're leaving hanging, some of these questions that um, they're going to be um, looking at through different different mediums, you know the answers are going to be there to um, the majority of, of the questions that you have somewhere, some, somehow, you know, whether it's in the movie, in your imagination, or in a book or a comic or in a cartoon. Right. It's all going to be fleshed out. Mm -hmm. They're not leaving anything that isn't fleshed out. Some things you do have to put in. You do have to fill that in to make sense. You know, um, like I'm saying, I'm watching Jumanji. You know, it's a ridiculous movie. I loved it, (laughs) you know, but I loved it because it's ridiculous. Yeah. And I know it's ridiculous. So Mm -hmm. I can't, you know, things I want to explain. Like, so, so. Hang on. How did they actually transport there? I would have liked to see more of how they, you know, no, I wouldn't. I let me let my imagination just fill that in. You know, um, yeah, it's, having it's, things explained. It's, it's, it's a Jumanji it's, game. It's it's just what happens. <laughs> you know, but having things, having to need, needing to have things explained, explained deprives your imagination of yeah. filling in those blanks well, because it's got you. You've got to make it work for you. And and you can ruin everything. Like, can't Pac-Man find a less haunted place to find food? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You know, but if he's stuck there, let's just read that someone sent him there, you know, tricked him in, knocked him in, and he's stuck there. Hell. You know, it's, you've got to fill these things in. You've got to make it work for you. Yeah. You know, otherwise, otherwise, you, otherwise it's kind of weird because it's only Star Wars you apply it to. And I think another trap that we sometimes fall into is, you know, not only coming up with our own stuff, but wanting all the information at once. That's right. Like, it's just like, you know, like it's rad that, you know, the film comes out and and normally within that week you get the, you know, Pablo's technical book and, you know, you get the art of and there's all this stuff and there's novels and stuff. But I think it's cool that, you know, like this, like with Snoke, it, it, he's so mysterious and we don't, you know, he died yeah. and we don't know, still don't know anything about him. And there's no real, like, um, you know, expanded stories about him. It's, yeah. and some people get upset about that, but I, I'm just like, you know, maybe 
they'll never touch upon him and he'll always be this enigma in Star Wars. But right. or in three years' time, they'll do something. But it doesn't all have to like blurt That's out right. now. And and, right. yeah. and, and and taking your time can only mm. lead to better storytelling because you can put the pieces together a lot better. But then it's also like, you know, there is a possibility that this character is never going to appear in a, a video game, a cartoon, a comic, or a novel. There is a chance that right. can happen. And, yes. like, in my mind, that's cool. Like, you don't... I don't want everything filled in. And I know he's a major part of, you know, the film. He's a big character. He's ex- certainly a big part of my life. But <laughs> I love what I've been given of him. I love so much. So I'm sort of happy just to leave that there in that packet. It's like, yep, he got cut in half and he wore the world's best gold robe and some sweet slippers. And (laughs) after that, one of the greatest scenes in Star Wars history took place. I'm a pretty happy ticket buyer with that. (laughs) Yeah, who was it? It was um, when I went went to the cast and crew screening, I was sat in between Ross who's the body double for Snoke Ooh. and at Charlotte, who's one of that, one of our creature performers. And, um, yeah, there were just lots of, lots of, of moments in that movie that, <laughs> you know, you're grabbing the person next to you and you're thinking, Oh wow, whoa, whoa, whoa. But you're right. You know, not every, it's like even phasma only having these, these tiny little moments. Um, I'm sure, uh, she's probably having the same amount of screen time as Boba Fett, mm-hmm. you know, but, George wasn't going to dwell on certain characters that weren't directly principal um, affecting roles. You know, if they're there, okay, cool, cool. We'll, we'll dabble on a bit of that, whatever. But once we once we moved away from that, we we stay very much fixed on the principal characters. But yes, you're right. Um, people wanting them all of the answers all in the one film, um, wanting everything told to them, spelled out to them. It's not enough that we give them these sagas. They now want to know what the, what the characters are having for breakfast. You know. Um, after that Luke Skywalker <laughs> scene, I'm pretty happy not finding out what anyone else has for breakfast. <laughs> I, I don't know where that could go after that. So let's just let's just chill on that one. I feel like I know too much already. <laughs> I was in the creature shop and, oh, and they, no. were building, they were building this thing, right? They were building this thing. And, and the thing is, it hadn't been painted. So, so it was just this spongy thing. And I was baffled because I was thinking, how are they going to get those nipples on the screen? <laughs> That's what I'm thinking. How are they going to get... Those big giant, can I say nipples or teats? Um, or the other thing. How are they going to get that on the screen? And um, I had no idea. I had no idea, but, you know. <laughs> that is amazing. You came face to face with a, uh, a in-production bosom from the Star Wars universe. Several. <laughs> wow, that's a big night. <laughs> Yeah, it was that day was a good day. <laughs> if you're not already subscribed to youtube.com forward slash Steel Wars, it is brimming with new 
content each and every week. We just put up an enhanced clip with the Suck Lord talking about his favorite bootleg toys. We have 50 minutes of our recent episode with Anthony Bresnikan up talking about his solo cover story. Plus, we have over half an hour of our recent live episodes in LA and New York City up for you to laugh along with. Check it all out and hit subscribe at youtube.com forward slash steel wars so so now, so now do you sort of feel like you've got this um you know this connection with joseph gordon lovett you know you've collaborated on this character are you staying at his house when you come to la <laughs> yeah 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 well you know we might we might both stay around ryan's house if that happens hey. <laughs> no I, I don't know it was there's several things because before we started filming um i had just seen a movie called brick which was direct which was i think it was ryan johnson's first film yeah. and it has um or never in it and i was completely blown blown away if you haven't seen this movie it's it's exquisite in terms of it shows you everything about uh um of filmmaking um and and script writing and directing it's almost like you want to take this movie and study it ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row dreaming of something better well hello fresh is your guilt-free dream come true baby it's me geeky palmer let's wake up those taste buds with hot juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi Mm. hello fresh Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. And then when I started on um, episode eight, I had then been given a script because someone wanted to remake that movie. And so I was looking at reading one of the characters and in back of my mind, I'm like, I'm working with the actual director on, of who did the original, and the original's so good. Why would you want to do this? So um, I had that weighing in the balance. Um, I, I sent I sent them off the casting or whatever anyway. But either I didn't get it and it didn't get made, or it got made and it got made without me. But either which way, I wasn't going to leave Star Wars for it. Um, but there, that was that was that one moment. And then the other thing is is that I've been aware of joseph gordon levitt since third rock from the sun you know um and it's it's just it was just bizarre and and this is what i mean about star wars magic these things that happen and if you can catch them and actually look back and and process your journey or the things that are actually taking place um and changing and giving you this kind of experience that you're sharing with one or two other people um, it's it's quite amazing. It's something that um, I never failed to to notice at time. But it's yeah, it's it's a big deal. It's it, it was a big deal for me to um, have um, my character voiced by Joseph Gordon-Levitt and and to be named after a Beastie Boys tune. Oh my goodness, a Beastie Boys tune. You know, um, you know, which is the era. You know, <laughs> Run DMC. You know, you got Run DMC, Beastie Boys. You know, um, Brass Monkey. Them guys are just off the chain. So <laughs> that whole that whole thing, you know, was deeply appreciated. Um, and I would, and I'm glad. I'm glad I didn't go in there and do um, the voice for it because, you know, I would have generated no press for that. It would have been good for me, but it would have generated no press for that. Um, 
And it was nice to know that um, A-lister actors are contributing, whether it's a cameo or something, and you're a part of this whole collaborative process. It's, um, it's quite a unique experience working on a Star Wars movie and how committed these actors are to um, the long game, you know, to whenever it's done. You're getting, bumped, so, uh, you're getting bumped out of these roles by some pretty uh, big name Hollywood types here, Dee. <laughs> I, I know, I know. Bless them. <laughs> you, 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 didn't, you didn't want to take a leaf out of uh, Joseph Gordon Levitt's book and go back in time and assassinate him or anything like that? <laughs> no, no. Um, th- there's this thing. I mean, with me, it feels like I'm at college. It feels like. Um, I'm gaining a wealth of experience. I'm learning so much. Like I said, I've never been in, well, okay, with, with the other two characters that I did in Canto Bite, um, one, when Finn and Rose are on the Fabius and they're being, and they're, they have that chase sequence and he's, and he says, too much cover, too much cover. And then they burst through the wall. Um, I'm stood there. Um, with a stunt um, girl actress, um, Claire Lawrence. I'm stood with her, and I'm wearing this head that's kind of like, um, almost like um, a jellyfish kind of color tone. He's got these piercing, deep blue cobalt eyes, and I can't see a damn thing out of that head. (laughs) Yeah? I've got Ollie in my ear again, um, singing me, singing the latest top ten or or an old M and tune in my ear, <laughs> as he would do, and um, directing me. But I, it's the first time I've been in a head that I couldn't see out of at all. So Claire was helping with 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 um, with my direction and where I was I was supposed to be looking. I had Ollie in my ear, um, guiding me, and I could I could just about hear um, the second unit director yelling out action. Um, just before the explosion would take place and then you would get my reaction, you know? So that's the first time, you know, and um, for Neil to trust and know that I can pull that off is, is unbelievable to me because I had never done it before um, and never had anybody in my ear while I couldn't see, especially for a long period of time. So when I took the head off, you know, I have this overwhelming love for Claire and this overwhelming love for Ollie. Like there's this umbilical cord that's still attached, mm-hmm. you know. And um, then what happened was before we even went to Dubrovnik, Aiden was supposed to be um, puppeteering, puppeteering this, this creature called Lexo Suga, who is Canto Bite's best um, masseuse. And, all right, all uh, right. You know, and I was going to I was going to assist him and puppetry and all that kind of stuff in case he needed to be called away for something under the guidance of Paul Casey, because all the rehearsals are done through Paul Casey. You know, um, guys, just amazing. And then Aidan got called off to do something else. And so it was like, D, do you know what you're doing now? I was like, kind of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you can just guide me a little bit, because I haven't got a monitor to see what I'm doing just yet. And so I was going by feel alone and by muscle um, uh, muscle memory in terms of how I was going to be operating this thing. Because he's very, very tall, wearing a long white gown, and his arms and then from his shoulder to his head, that's all, that's all free. He's almost like he looks like a turtle out of a shell, uh-huh. you know, or, or what someone said on my Instagram, he looks kind of like um, 
uh, a biological K2SO, which he kind of does a little bit. But I'm on my knees in that thing, um, looking at a monitor and having these rods in my arm, in my hands, so that I can massage this guy at the table. While this um, big, ugly-looking seal creature, um, I think his name's Sturg, Sturg Garner, and he's in the visual dictionary as well. Um, let me just make sure I'm getting these names right for you. But yes, yeah, Sturgana. He's like a seal, but you know, it's it's one of those things where a lot of the creatures that I was looking at are, are so beautifully ugly and hideous that um, I can only describe them by adding the word beautiful to the beginning of it <laughs> you know when in actual fact i'm just like oh my goodness <laughs> you know i can't look at that too long i've and, just uh, I've, I've just looked up this masseuse character yes i i presume it's a she and um I, no it's no, okay I, it's just it's just very um in this white robe is this the one I'm looking yes for? yeah okay yes, yes, yes. okay well um yeah I've just looked up on your Instagram to see uh, Lexo Suga and that is you know it's it's kind of crazy that I I haven't even noticed a character this rich yet that is an amazing character it's so is, it's, um, it's so unique it's um and yeah and even. In, in the clip that we shot that didn't make it into the movie, the range of, of movement he has from the neck and the face that was controlled by Pete Hawkins is absolutely insane. But, but Pete's um, brief was, um, you know, uh, Fadiers are going to break through this place and, and we need, he needs a full range of expressions on his face, so fear, shock, and, and awe and, and all that kind of stuff. And so... That's within that face. You can't even see it. But if he gets on the controls, you will see all of those range of movements in his face. And, um, yeah, so as you can see, I'm from the, from the length of, and the height of that thing, I'm on my knees looking into a monitor, and I've got these rods to control the arms. And um, to, my, to my right, which would be, yeah, yeah, to, my, to the right of me when I'm inside him, um, I had Sturg Garner, this seal-like creature. And inside Sturg, there's Claire, Claire Roy Harvey operating his right hand, Steve Kimman operating his left hand, <laughs> Robin Guyver operating his head, and Oni Taylor at the back um, operating his tail. So you've got four people, was it? Four people inside this boxing operating this creature, along with um, actor-performer Ali and Kieran Shah stood above um, trying to massage this thing, whacking him with these rags, and with Neil, with Neil in the background saying, more water, more water, and chucking all this water onto this beast while they're massaging it. And then um, we then have uh, Kedpin Shocklop, who is this pink little dude with one eye, and it's Warwick Davis in this suit. And he had to literally step into this suit and get zipped right up at the back. And this 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 creature, you know, he it's looked like he's 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 roasting in this sauna. And the 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 camera movements were the camera was gonna move in, so I'm massaging um Ali and Kieran Shah are massaging the Sturg Garner, and then as a tra camera tracks in, Warwick Davis walks past the camera as the camera tilts up and we see the Fadias going over the rooftop. That's how quick that scene was 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 supposed to be. Um, 
but it was totally amazing. So I'm in there. I'm being looked after by Pete Lackey, one of the guys from um, CFX team. He's making sure that the battery's all working in the monitors, um, checking in on um, the guys operating um, Stogana. And, um, yeah, I had never done any puppetry kind of like that before, but I had been trained by Aiden and I'd been guided by Paul Casey. So I knew what I needed to do. Um, these things um, are just so kind of in, it, um, important in regards to what I'm learning, what I'm gaining. Yes, I'm gaining experience, but I'm, I'm also learning new new tricks of the trade and, and how to help some of these puppeteers if they need it. You know, um, it's beautiful. And that's why I say it's kind of like being at college. When they're done with me, if they're ever done with me, or if they're done making these Star Wars movies, then you know maybe I'll go and cash in my my diploma then, and and I'm wander off to do some other things. But while I have the opportunity, and while they still want me to help out on these Star Wars movies, I'll always be there, you know. Um, so yeah, it turns into living the experience of what I'd watched as a kid from behind the scenes. Let me ask you this. I'm just flicking through your Instagram here and you've posted up a, a picture of brother Let Run Pay, who is the jellyfish sort of head-shaped dude. And there's a photo of you. You're in this uh, costume and there's a white background. I, I'm curious, when do they take these photos? How many do they take? And, and, and is there a system, is there someone's job to like make sure every character is photographed how, how does that happen yeah. yes <laughs> i answer that question with yes yes your honor yes. um it's yeah all of the above it's uh you have everyone's um photographed um for stock you know um and you don't know if some of them are going to make the book and some of them aren't going to make the book but everything is photographed there isn't anything that you'll see on the screen that hasn't had a picture taken of it um, uh, I'm guessing they're covering any possible other creations or anything else that may come later on or that they may want to pick and choose from. Some of the things that don't get used in one movie will end up in another movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, as soon as maybe you're about um, a day away, a week away, or if you've just been on set, um, they'll grab you in. And to have your pictures taken, and it's kind of like you do. You go through a range of of static movements. Then you would hold a pose as your character would hold the pose. Um, then they do a scan around you, um, a 360 scan, um, which I used to think was for the toys, but I ain't seen no toys, so I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> you know? I'm not a toy. None of my things have been toys, man. I've been waiting a long time. <laughs> But um, but then they do this 360 thing, so they've got a full full um, coverage of every aspect, from the costume to the head to everything, of the character. Um, and there's something new that they've been doing is um, they'll have you um, they'll film it, so they'll have you walk from left to right across, then facing the camera and so on and so forth, really? and maybe maybe giving a few gestures here and there but i was told that was for you know when you get that app on your phone and you hold it up to a picture and the character pops up yeah i was told i told i was told it was something for something like that but i'm guessing those things may turn up in the theme parks because there's no other reason why you would need to see brother let run pay do that no one knows who he is <laughs> so it's yeah. all like well, 
So, so maybe he'll pop up in an obscure place in in the, in the theme parks, or you've got a, or it's a game where you've got to collect as many or find as many as you can in the theme park. Maybe I've just given them an idea. Um, too late for me to copyright. Oh dear. But if it was something, if they use those things for something, um, if they've got those things in mind for something else, I have no idea what they are yet. But it's just kind of like you know you're a part of this machine that's collecting, collecting, collecting. It's like we have. A photographer on set you know um lucasfilm sorry have a photographer on set john wilson and he'll take pictures left right and center and i'll make sure that you know at least he knows i'm there if he hasn't spotted me already so i'll make sure i get some get in some of these pictures because but it doesn't matter to me that i never see the pictures i just like i'm like yeah man i'm, I'm on there i'm on their star wars somewhere. You know, i'm on their star wars file somewhere and, and you know it's kind of like that and, and does this do these photos get taken like, are you getting dressed up especially for these photos? Or, you, or is this like after you do the scene, it's like, all right, come into the photo studio? Oh, um, yes, um, sometimes. It's, it's, uh, it's like I said, it's either before we were due to go on set or when we've just been on set, you know, or like we're, we're there and they've decided, oh, no, we, we're not going to use them. We won't be using them for the next part, few hours or we're not going to be using them for the rest of the day. Then then Sarah Lawrence will come in and swift us, swiftly take us to the photos, photos um, uh, section um, and we'll go and go and have those pictures done. But, yeah, sometimes you may come in if they realize they haven't had got your haven't captured you or you were supposed to come in and they've cut that scene. So they'll say, oh, oh, we'll call you in and we'll call a group of you in so that there's a whole group of you that come in at once um, and do it like that. But uh, but yeah, it's those pictures end that can end up anywhere. Um, and it's you trust that it's going to end up somewhere good because of who owns the pictures. So, yeah, mm-hmm. you just kind of get in there and do them. Um, but it's it's luckily for me, all three of my characters, even the character that that didn't make it into um, the movie you know, is in the visual dictionary. Um, Lexo Suga makes it into the Canto Byte book and has a story about him in that book, which I'm, I've yet to read. I have to get through that. Um, so at, he's, I know he's got a life elsewhere, you know, and I think on one of those Disney shows on YouTube, Pablo Hidalgo was talking about Lexo and saying he hopes to see more of, or of him um, to some degree on, on the DVD. So, nice. um, so fingers crossed. Well, we've got, but, uh, you know, apparently it's about half an hour of deleted scenes, so it could just be wall-to-wall details. Wouldn't that be cool? <laughs> <laughs> We're going to get half an hour on that. But then when you look at the, the DVDs for the prequels, there were hours. There were hours upon hours of such gold, <laughs> you know, on those DVDs. And you're thinking, oh, they're giving us half an hour on these DVDs. And you're not quite sure when or if that TV show that they keep rumoring about being on Netflix or on Disney Channel or something being about behind the scenes, whether that will actually air. But, um, yeah, they've got all the footage they need, though. The um, what was it like filming out at Dubrovnik? You know, previously you'd just done the the in studio stuff. What was it like being out there, dude? <laughs> dude, you know, I um, I didn't know that I was going originally, and I and I've been fortunate that way. I just didn't know I was going, and uh, eventually I found out that I was going, and. Well, the night that we all got there, it was raining and it was freezing cold. And I mean, really freezing cold. 
um, that late night we arrived. And then um, in the morning, it was blue skies and sun, and that didn't let up for the whole time that we were there. And the locals were saying it had been raining and cold all the way up until it was time to shoot. And we were just like, wow. But it was a beautiful place, absolutely beautiful place. You're walking through this town center of all the bright orange rooftops. And, you know, you're walking past a building and it looks like Star Wars. <laughs> they, got, they got the panels on the doors, you know, um, the lighting on, on, the, on, the, on the ground, like the, the tone, color tone of the buildings seemed to fit with the color tone they were going to be using in Canto Bite obviously but when you see it you're like oh wow 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 they they really found the right spot um you have no idea how they're going to use everything um and w for the first first day i got there it was shooting slow and low um and the police and then the second day it was um shooting uh me on that rooftop um as brother let rompe and then as soon as i finished filming that i ran down that hill and um, got inside uh, Lexo Suga to do that scene. And then the rest, and then I think it was, I had, I think it was maybe two days to myself after that or one day to myself after that. But um, it meant that I was free to help out and, and lend a hand. So I have to say the Favias were built to scale. I stood in front of one of those things, imagining that, this thing must have lived at some point, must have lived at some point. And if I had to run from this thing, how the hell would I get away from it? Because it's so big, <laughs> right? You, you know, you know, just thinking about, just that's all I was thinking about. But it was so massive, but it was, and it was beautiful too. And um, then there was that night we were shooting um, where we had the stunt doubles on the back of the Fabia and, um, they were um, uh, wheeling it from one end of that street to the other at high speed um, with the stunt guys on the back and then rushing back, taking it back to the other end and getting it ready to do a go again. And as soon as it was done, wrapping it all back up and, and taking it back to um, our little base unit we had. All of that was just really exciting and, and getting to watch the stunt guys just do their thing. Um, yeah, it was an amazing experience. But to be away with a production and the production is, is Star Wars, it's just, you know, I mean, there's one, there's, you know, there's one little moment. I was sat with Ali at the bar. I wasn't drinking. I had my, you know, I'd, all, I'd, I'd spoken to, um, what was it, me and, me and Ali had spoken to Kieran. Kieran said, oh, I'm going to get you guys drinks. What do you guys want? And so he was getting us drinks at the bar. And Ali sitting there with some saying, you know, Kieran is, is such an inspiration. And I said, dude, he is, he's a legend and he's, he's a good mentor to you. And he said, no, 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 he's the master. He's the master. And then Kieran came back and he says, um, oh, he says, how are you guys doing? And we're looking at him and like, so where are the drinks? And he says, oh, no, no, no. Oh, uh, I met Ryan at the bar. Ryan's getting them. <laughs> and I looked at Ali and I said, yeah, yeah, dude's the master. The dude is the master. You know, and, and Ryan did. Ryan bought everybody um, a round of drinks in, in, in the bar, but he's so lovely. You know, that smile you see on his face is, is absolutely genuine. And um, I, I, we've been very fortunate to, to work with such lovely directors and things like that. So, yeah, those kind of moments you take away with you. Um, 
and its location and its location with Star Wars. That's what I keep saying. It's just weird. It's just, yeah, it's a very special thing. How, like, you know, we, we hear of, you know, directors and, and, and their, their style and stuff like that. And, and you've worked with, you know, JJ and, and, and Ryan, you know, in, in a similar sort of spot where you were, you know, getting directed as a creature. Do you notice, yeah. is there a different feel on, on set between different directors or do you notice a difference? Like, you know, I, I don't make films, so I don't know what sort of difference a director makes to the, the vibe of the set. Um, well, look at it this way. I mean, when we heard JJ was coming back, <laughs> the, the joy, the joy that flooded, <laughs> that flooded the entire production, was just like, oh, bless. It's like, it's like families returning, you know? Um, and that's because of the love and care that he took, um, and taking that leap in making another Star Wars movie. There is no blueprint for making a Star Wars movie, so everything is starting from scratch. And so we go from um, doing Force Awakens to then doing Rogue One. And um, with Rogue One's production, we're having to, we're, they're having to start from scratch again to work out how this production works. You know, And I think what's, um, what's slowly happening, because these movies are starting to be... Um, be churned out at a certain rate and i think maybe this han solo one is it may be just a one-off um for a may release um but i think that the fact that they're they're on this kind of rotation it means that the production is getting more used to the procedure of making these movies because you have to understand it's not the same production crew that worked on the prequels and the guys that worked on the prequels aren't the same production crew that worked on the originals so each time you delve into um, this franchise and this soap opera, you are having to um, try and make it as cohesively coherent and um, and connecting to everything that's come before and to what's to still to come. You know, so it's 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 been a gradual process. I mean, Seven was a big deal because it was like, oh my god, we're starting Star Wars all over again. So obviously a big deal. Then it's Rogue One. It's like, well, no one knows too much about Rogue One. Only know that it's about, you know, the plans, the plans for the Death Star. You know, so everyone's kind of excited to see what's what's going to be um, happening with that. But then the film, the film style changed, and so it was guerrilla filmmaking for for majority of crowd and wide scenes and things like that. Um, I I can't tell you what. The intimate scenes were like whether it's the same way but for the for the wide scene that i was involved in i knew it was a lot of guerrilla filmmaking um and so it's it's more hands being on, on board so the guys that are with each creature are keeping an eye on the monitors to see if that creature is actually being seen if the creature is being seen then um the, the performer carries on performing. If that creature isn't going to be seen in an ex-choreographed move that hasn't been filtered down, that dresser will run um, to the performer and, and take that performer out and say, oh, no, no, we're not in this shot. And they'll, they'll keep an eye on for seeing when because, you know, you never knew if Gareth was, was, was going to swing the camera this way or that way to a certain degree. So everybody's kind of like watching and paying attention to what's going on. So so that was kind of like um, I'd be on your toes, watching, 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 paying attention. And um, and predominantly for everybody's safety, too, because you can't have Ian White in Moroff, you know, that big white hairy dude. 
and and you know he's not being seen therefore you know if you've got him running around he's going to pass out <laughs> you know? so, so it's keeping it it's you know it's keeping an eye on everything like that so um so that's how that kind of changed a little bit but the directing in terms of Gareth saying what he wanted and stuff like that was very clear. It's very, it was very nice, and he's a very gentle guy as well. And then we get to um, episode eight, and episode eight is a saga movie, so it feels a lot bigger. It feels a lot grander, but you kind of already know what's going on here. You know it's part of the Skywalker saga. You know who's involved. With Rogue One, you're, you're getting to know everybody from scratch. Can, can I you know? ask you, Dee, on yeah. the, like, you bring up an interesting thing of, you know, you did The Force Awakens and Rogue One, which was, you know, a, a small film in, you know, in budget, and then and then back to uh, The Last Jedi. Do, is, is, do you notice, like, are there less people on set? Is it is it like, do you notice it's a little bit smaller or is it sort of, it's, it's like, it's, it's movie making. It all looks the same. No, um, none of that at all. You, like I told you, these, these builders and these designers, they don't believe in making anything by half, you know, um, like when they thought they'd finished filming, they then had to rebuild a whole load of stuff that they had struck down, you know, um, these guys are incredible. No, you will not notice. You will not notice uh, the, the look of a, or the feel of a budget on, on any of these productions. Um, it's, just on, it's just the style of, of how they approach. And because Rogue One was very ground-level, um, war-torn to some degree, um, that's why Gareth was brought in, because of his, his, the way that he shoots things and his style of filming. Um, and um yeah so 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 getting used to different styles of filming like that but then you know what feels bigger about the saga is that you know the characters yeah mm-hmm. um i would on on set of rogue one i wouldn't have been able to tell you any of the characters names because i don't think they had been released yet or to or what you know what i mean i don't mm-hmm. and I, it wouldn't have been staying in my head long enough um, for me to actually remember because I wouldn't have an association. So, um, so yeah, everything was brand new and yet there were familiar things like my scene. I mean, I saw Jin and, um, Captain Cassian, um, a couple of times in that marketplace. And then in the alleyway, I saw Cassian. But other than that, you know, my only take for, for being on Star in Star Wars was, was seeing Nathan dressed as a bug-eye droid, seeing a crash speeder, seeing stormtroopers, you know, I, I know where I am. <laughs> you know? <laughs> I know where I am. You know, so it's kind of like that. And, and with Ryan, it was just like, like I said, when, when he's looking at one of, the, like, the biggest soundstage we have 007 and he's plotting where everybody needs to stand so he knows where every creature is you know it's just a meticulous nature you know um and because it's not war-torn it's you don't need guerrilla filmmaking so it's very much okay this is the setup this is what we're going with this is that setup this is that setup so everybody kind of you know pays attention that way but with the saga you know there's a chance you might run into somebody um i was in canto bite and um, <laughs> um, yeah, the sequence of events is 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 a little bit funny. Um, someone said, someone yells out. I think it was an AD. Can we get one of the droids in for one of this shot? And so I'm looking around because I know that there's 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 um, Juan, there's George, you know, and there's Nathan. Nathan's the CFX principal droid because they grabbed him from CFX. And then I'm looking at the monitor and I'm watching Kevin. 
Now, Kevin Cornwall, he played your Crimson Corsair in Maz's Castle. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's been dotted about, and he's also in eight um, at the races. And uh, he's wearing this big head. Oh, I've got to look through the book now. He's wearing this costume on this of this character with a, with a, with quite a big head. Now, you're thinking with all that room, he must be able to see something out of that head, but he can't see nothing, all right? He's called Penin Brunts. Penin Brunts, and he's on page 58 of the Visual Dictionary, all right? He's like the bouncer or the security guard. And we've got how many? 300 extras on set. And in this section, there must have been at least about 200 extras dotted about with some other creatures. And he's marching with pace, all over this floor and stopping, looking around, marching around. And then he gets to the step and my heart's in my mouth. He gets to the edge of the step and he just stops, looks around, turns around, goes back the other way. Right now, the extras kind of know they need to move out of his out of his way because he's one of the creatures who can't actually see. So Mark Jeffress, who's in his ear, is telling him, you know, turn left, walk stride, 10 steps, stop. No, keep going. Turn three o'clock. Now go. It's giving him all of this information that they rehearse um, under Paul Casey's rehearsal space time, mm-hmm. um, obviously. And um, I'm watching this. And then this guy comes up behind him and he goes, wow, those, those creatures are amazing. And I look across <laughs> and it's Mark Hamill. It's, it's, ah. friggin Luke, it's Luke, Skywalker, Luke Skywalker snuck up on me and he's telling me that the creatures look good. right in that split second i then looked at him and i was like oh hey how you doing and i was like yeah and then i started telling him about the creatures that we could see on the screen and i pointed out kevin i said look that guy can't even see he's got a guy in his ear telling him giving him directions turn left right stop and whatever and he just turns to me goes yeah i wish someone would do that for me so i start laughing and then, and then you get this sense, you get this sense that he's using the force. Now, hear me out. There's this sense you get with him, and he can tell when eyes are on him. And then he says, okay, I've I, I, I got to go. I'll see you later. And so, and so I'm like, yeah, good to, see, good to have a chat with you, or whatever. And then he, he walks off. Then I almost collapse because to have that conversation, I literally had to employ the best acting i've ever done in my entire life <laughs> <laughs> in my head i'm thinking i'm like dude you're talking to luke skywalker you're talking to and i'm like shh i'm trying to talk to luke skywalker dude you're talking to luke skywalker i know i'm trying to talk shush that's what's going on in my head that's what's going on in my head and for it was so so surreal but then again you know like i can tell you about this moment he probably doesn't even remember but that is the gift of Mark Hamill. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. He'll just come in, just just leave his mark, and and that's all there is to be said about it. You know, and things like that. You know, <laughs> just you know. <laughs> it's, that is so cool. Now, D, one of yes the most memorable experiences I had uh, recording this podcast was at Star Wars Celebration in Europe, in London, and we're doing a live episode on, on the floor of the um, the convention, and it, it's packed out. We're having the best time. And you recalled 
when you got a chance to walk up the the gangway into the Millennium Falcon. And this moment, I, I just remember it in time of just, you know, all these people just with like on just the edge of every word you said as you gave this very heartfelt retelling of this story. I, I'm wondering, did you have another falcon-esque moment on <laughs> the set of the last jedi no 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 because most of the creatures centered around um canto bites right and so that was the 007 007 stage um and so that's all we kind of knew and then the next thing you know i'm being taken off to dubrovnik um, still not knowing too much about this, the scenes and things that I was going to be required to do, um, but just being given a, a good enough idea. And then coming back to the UK to do some more stuff in the casino. Um, uh, yes, um, that was that was my my uh, minuscule, <laughs> it's hard to say that, um, connection to episode eight in that in that arena because I wasn't needed anywhere else and I'm guessing the the Falcon was predominantly based in Skellig and then they may have had um, the model um, based on, on one of the studios but I didn't get to see any of that I didn't get to see any of that on on episode eight yeah episode they, eight they they had that they had a full size Falcon outside <laughs> near near where they had the tree. If, I, I don't think it was – I think it might have right. been at a different studio, though, in London, not the one that you worked out of. Right. It might have been at Long Cross. It might have been at Long Cross um, or it might have been at Pinewood. Like, like I said, it's like I'll only find out about certain things if we're there long enough um, and if uh, there's enough downtime. Because if I'm sitting there and I'm not doing nothing and I'm just eating or snacking on something or – just chatting rubbish to somebody i'll at some point will see somebody who'll say to me d there's something that you need to see <laughs> <laughs> well yeah, I, I i think that hamill moment is uh you know that, that that's one to cherish that's pretty sweet uh you know and the thing is i almost forgot about it because oh well, i've got to tell you about snoke's room in a minute but um i, I it's hard to remember some of these things because it's two years ago you know, I haven't been able to talk to anybody about anything, let alone how much I enjoyed The Last Jedi. You know what I mean? So, mm. uh, yeah, I have to take that into account. But let me tell you, <laughs> let me tell you about Snoke. Oh, two things. Oh, my goodness. You know when you know when we did that podcast for the 100th episode? Yeah. Yeah. And you took a selfie. Yeah. Us in the crowd. Can I just say to everybody in that audience... Um, thanks for being there. <laughs> it was all great. It was awesome. But also in that shot, Snoke is in that shot. Snoke's body, <laughs> Snoke's body double is in that shot. How how long have I been dying to tell you this, Steve? <laughs> two years, two and a half years, <laughs> and, and I haven't been allowed to say anything. But I'm gonna tell you now. Wow. Snoke is in that. Snoke was in my live audience. Yes. <laughs> and when you look at that photo, all you need to do is look for the tallest guy right at the back. And Alrighty. that's Ross. <laughs> oh, that is awesome. I, um, I'm, I'm very flattered. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm, bl- I'm blushing right now that the Supreme Leader paid me this, uh, this honor. 
Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, also, in his throne room, I have to find, I have to find a page, but I have to get this. In his throne room to the left, there are these um, two beings. Um, and I think, are they called attendants? No. It must be for something else. Let me find They're called, ooh, close. Aha. Yeah, they are. They're called attendants. Right? Now, if you look in the visual dictionary and you get to page 35, you'll see the attendants. They're the guys who were controlling that visual globe telescope thing. So um, Snoke can see gotcha. what's taking place. Yes. They're, yeah. they're, a, um, they're, they're a mysterious sort of um, emperor's advisor. Uh, yes, with the glowing deal. lights. Yeah. Right. Now, they were being performed by Natalie and Barbara. That's it. And Natalie plays that PZ um, droid as well. I can't remember the full, full name of that droid, but the blue droid, medical droid. But um, those two girls are, are in, inside those, those outfits. Now, it just so happened that I was walking into wardrobe, and um, it was a very, very sad week. But I walked into wardrobe, and I saw – you can't see this in the movie, but I'm just telling you because it's in the book, right? Just the color of the outfit. I walked in and I saw all of this uh, material lying on the table. And then I just looked up and I just said, I know Prince's purple rain purple when I see it. What's that for? They looked at me and uh, everyone, I guess everyone kind of knows <laughs> that, that I, 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 I still adore Prince. And I, I just listen to his stuff all the time. But that anything to do with Prince related, I will know. And um, they just looked at me and, and it was the week that he had passed away. And in honor of Prince, Ryan had, um, had asked them to make uh, Snoke's attendants go- um, gowns or garments in that purple. So, yes, to honor Prince, Prince has an association to episode eight. Wow, I've never heard that before. That is so cool. That is damn cool. <laughs> But yeah, yeah, I know my I know my Prince Purple when I see it, and there's there's no way they could not tell me. So um, <laughs> I, I've since I've since told Natalie, and I've I've told Barbara because they didn't know. But yeah, there's one person on set that would know, and that's me. <laughs> but yeah, so so there you go. Those those are those are two little things right there, right off the right there. Very dope. I'm I'm very excited about this this Snoke in the audience business. This is. This is you. You stopped listening to me a long time ago. You're going through your photo album right now. Ah, <laughs> I just, I, I, I'm, I'm thrilled. I'm like, I have such an affection. This Snoke character has done a fair bit for me in my life, so I, um, I, I, I honor him. I honor him always. Make sure you keep listening after the post episode announcements for a exclusive sizzle clip of the Juklin Strikes. Back, an exclusive Steel Wars podcast on our Patreon feed, hosted by my wife, Jacqueline. In the clip, she'll be roasting me about our trip to Death Valley to visit the locations of Star Wars A New Hope and Return of the Jedi. Now, back to the show. Dee, I can't thank you enough 
for um I, I just love talking Star Wars with you and, and I love yeah, your, you your stories from the set are always like I, I, I love that someone is there and I'm sure there's hundreds of people that are like this but are enjoying it properly are, <laughs> like you're enjoying it for, for people like me just loving every second of it no like this ungrateful competition <laughs> winner that did two hours <laughs> Suited up. I'm coming for you. But um that was yeah. Yeah. And and <laughs> I I I think you know the listeners along with myself just uh fingers crossed. We want we want a details like robot or creature. We want them on the poster of one of these upcoming Star Wars films and if we look at, at the news in, uh, you know, recent weeks and, and months is you're going to have a lot of opportunities to have shots at the title. So I, I, I just, I hope that, you know, I, I want details to be this generation's Warwick Davis. He's, he, you, have, you can't do a Star Wars movie without details getting up in there. Yeah. Oh, Oh yeah, that's that touched my heart. Yeah, I appreciate that. I I hope um, that I can contribute more and more um, as these projects go on, um, doing different things, doing bigger things, better things, um, or even stuff that's just more of the same. Just there is an association. Look, I'm I'm as I'm probably the the, the most Star Warsy person that I know there. They'll always see me wearing a T-shirt. They'll always see me wearing a hoodie or something. Um, and if they've got a question about something, surprisingly, I, I sometimes know. Well, more more than not, I kind of have have an idea of what's what's going on. Um, but I am. I'm literally. I'm. I'm one of you guys. I'm. I'm a Star Wars fan. But I just so happen to be in this situation and. You know, it's odd. I, I mean, I. It's beautiful when you talk to these these guys in puppetry and, anima, and animatronics and these other creature performers who have done so much stuff and, and massive stuff. Like, if you were to speak to Paul Warren, he would talk to you about, you know, performing in Captain America and and um, uh, you know some Harry Potter things. But he just talks like it's nothing, and I'm, my eyes are bulging out of out of my head because I'm just thinking that's amazing. You know, and um, it's being around people that are so talented but so humble makes sense for everything you want to enjoy about Star Wars. You know, um, you can there are a hundred and one things you can find to be pissed off about in in one day. But if you're on set and you're working on Star Wars, there's no there's no reason to be upset about anything as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> <You know? laughs> so so it's. Um, I yeah I am very much aware that uh, I'm I'm you know I'm kind of just you know I am trying to get on with it I'm trying to just be available I'm trying you know whenever they want me I'm just there whenever they ask me if I'm free for this film then I'll block out that entire period until they tell me that I've wrapped because I would hate to be stuck doing a commercial for I don't know Cocoa Pops and you know and they say to me. Yo, D, are you ready? You ready to come back for Star Wars? I'm like, no, I'm actually doing a Coca Pops commercial. That doesn't kind of ring ring for me, you know. Um, and I would never want to. 
um, dismiss a dream come true um, because it just doesn't fit in with my schedule or I've got other things to do. So um, while my dream come true still wants me to contribute, I will be there 110%, you know, and give them 110% because of my love for what it is I'm a part of. Uh, And, you know, it's funny because watching, having watched um, The Last Jedi, it kind of made me rethink a couple of things. And it was like, all of a sudden, it wasn't about what episode was better. Um, Because what was just revealed is that the story's just got a whole lot deeper. And that excites me so much. Just, you know, where they went and what they were revealing, things you hadn't seen before, you know, um, things that you didn't know about, things you didn't know about. And it's, you know, Ryan... I'm, you know, I knew early on, you know, they must have finished filming uh, at some point for about six months. But it, very early on, we knew that Lucasfilm were happy with eight. You know, not just happy; they were thrilled mm-hmm. with eight. You know, so um, having seen it and and looked at, you know, just the writing. The story, the growth of the story, the potential growth of certain characters, the introduction of certain characters, you know, begging for you to want more and more and more, you know, and he's like, well, they wouldn't put a, uh, a character in just for the sake of it, just for that character not to do anything. So there's something that's got to come of, of characters like DJ, you know, um, and it just opened it all up. And to be a part of this at this moment is unbelievable unbelievable when i was a kid i never wanted to be han solo luke skywalker or even lando i just wanted to be a part of the rebels i wanted to be part of their team you know um and i'm part of a bigger team now you know and it's telling this story and it's just yeah it's very very humbling (laughs) it's just yeah it's beautiful i love it but get me on that post to somebody. That's how you had to enter that. That, that, that beautiful. I, I just want to sully your your team effort uh, strategy and just like put me in a trailer, put me in something. Yeah, I don't know. You know, I've been fortunate. I think some of those characters that I've played, you know, um, maybe wouldn't have warranted being in a teaser or on a poster. Um, but even someone like Slow and Low. You kind of like, yeah, let's hold back on on that. That that'll be a nice reveal in the movie, you fun, know. Um, fun little surprises. Yes, bite-sized surprises. You know um, that I because I, I kind of get I get what they're doing with the with the marketing and things like that too. So there's there's very little to not understand about the procedure of everything, you know, and understanding how they're building things up and. And what dates, you know, they're not going to shift from because they, they've got things in the pipeline and they're planning this, planning that. What things they, they're setting up in eight, you know, that will appear in nine or in a in a in an earlier movie or what's appeared in an early movie, putting that in eight or putting that in nine. It's just, oh, they they know what they're doing. <laughs> you know? In, in Lucasfilm, I trust. You know. <laughs> now, um, D, it, it's such a pleasure to talk Star Wars with you. And as I said, I want you to be the new Warwick Davis. And I, I, I you know, I, I don't want to, I don't want to push you on this or anything like that. But I, I did have a glance 
at your Facebook page, and it, it's very curious. There is a a, a duck. Um, <laughs> In a, a red cup. Now, I'm not sure if this is... I don't know if I've got my tinfoil hat on for this one or not, but I'll leave it there. I, I'll just leave it there. I'm going to work on this theory. Um, perhaps my details theory sucks, but, you know, I'm just I'm just out there as a journalist trying to put together these cryptic clues. About- well, yeah, well... The first picture before that, what picture was before that? Did you see that one? Did you clock that one? Oh, wait there. I'm going back. I, I've got Daffy Duck in a thing. Yeah. The, the next one I see is you sort of doing a, a crucifix sort of thing. Oh, oh, okay. And, ah, oh, okay. So then, okay. So this is it. This is, oh my God, I'm following up on this lead because if I click on <laughs> details profile clip, there is Daffy Duck, this duck again. And he's in the, uh, the the Rogue One. He's he's gone rogue. And then there's another one, and it's Daffy Duck in Episode Eight. All right, interesting, interesting. All right, I'm putting together pieces. I'll, I'll I'll get back to you. I, I I think these are leads I need to follow. But how can our good listeners follow your adventures on um, Twitter and Instagram and all that good stuff, my man? Oh man, you can, yeah. Um, you can find me on on Facebook. Uh, I'm you know details. I, the only other company that I know with that name is a dog grooming service, I think. So between me and a dog grooming service, you should be able to find me somewhere in there. Um, <laughs> so there's Facebook, there's this yeah Twitter and Instagram. On Instagram, I think you find me under digital underscore star. Um, or details. So, yeah, you'll find me. You can find me about. Excellent, my man. And again, it's it's so good to catch up with you. I One of my favorite things about making this podcast over these three or so years are the, the very interesting and, and fun-loving friends I've made around the world <laughs> that through Star Wars. And, and you're definitely... Uh, on that list. So it was awesome to catch up with you, buddy. Oh, yeah, you too, buddy. You too. You too. Very much so. You know, um, and if it wasn't for Tom Bell, yeah, I wouldn't have met you. So it's all good, you know. Um, but for me, primarily, it's it's talking to people with the right energy and the right spirit for, for, for Star Wars. You know, um, there, it's too easy. It's too easy to find um, fault with everything. But if you can find joy uh, mutual joy in something um, with others. It just kind of expands your whole experience and um, expands your, your your level of of, of happiness. You know, um, it's nice to be able to share something that that means so much to other people. It doesn't have to. You don't even have to share exactly the same thing. You know, one person's take on it is 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 different to another person's take, but they're but, you know, they're just the same explanation of the same thing, you know. Um, so, yeah, it's, for me, it's about people with that right energy because right now it's – I'm in I, – you know, I, I, when I'm working on these things, it's like I'm in the eye of the storm, you know, and the only people that I can actually connect to or relate to are people that actually understand Star Wars, um, or if you don't understand Star Wars, at least if you understand what it means to me. You know, it kind of kind of helps, but yeah, 
It was it was a fantastic experience doing that 100th episode with you. That that was our first, right? Yeah, that was, that was our- yeah that was our that was our first uh, collab, and uh, I think we've done a couple <laughs> couple of call in shows since then and stuff. But yeah, it's uh, it's it's, yeah, it's always a good time. Good. Absolutely, absolutely, and uh, maybe from what I've been seeing with the images of of this new Falcon, you know, maybe we will get that that question answered as to. Is there actually a toilet on on that ship? <laughs> well, that is the big question in the fandom right now. <laughs> well, there was that questionable section of the ship that we just didn't see or know anything about. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I'm just like, yeah, maybe, yeah, maybe that's just for you. <laughs> that is some. That is some. Interesting sizzle for the solo film. That is, I, 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 I think we'll keep you in creatures rather than in marketing. I, uh, I think you've, you've found your calling there, buddy. somewhere along the line, yeah. Details. Thanks so much, man. And may that force be with you. You too and all your audience. Lots of love. May the force be with you guys too. Hey guys, thanks for listening to a really fun episode with our old friend Details. Now, if you haven't heard it already, go back and check out episode 100 live from Star Wars Celebration Europe, where Details goes in-depth on his experience with J.J. Abrams on The Force Awakens. And I tell ya, that story tells about going on the Falcon for the first time. It had people mesmerized at this live show love details what what a great guy to have on the set of star wars someone that's doing it right in my opinion having a ball with it make sure you keep listening after these announcements for the exclusive sizzle clip from the jukland strikes back covering our very exciting trip to death valley to visit some star wars locations Now, you guys, next week, the long-awaited Steel Wars podcast with the man in front of the cape, behind the Death Star, Director Krennic, Ben Mendelsohn, Mendo, will be joining me for a one-hour chat about his Star Wars experience, his Star Wars fandom, and his time filming Rogue One, Star Wars story and uh, I can't wait for you to hear it I really can't wait but I would love it if uh, if you're enjoying the show if you're enjoying this one if you're enjoying the next one if you're hyped for Mendo is uh, get on Twitter tag us in a tweet and um, help spread the word because if you guys all get one extra person we're going to double our audience and then they can double it And then we can have more awesome guests like Details and Mendo. You can follow us on all social media at Steel Wars. We're on Facebook. We're on Twitter. We are on Instagram. If you use iTunes, get on there. Write a sweet five-star review. It bumps us up the rankings. But uh, I really appreciate it when um, listeners go up there and vouch to us to other potential listeners. It is 
really, really cool. If you want to support the podcast in a financial manner and you want to get access to every bit of content I've ever recorded about Star Wars, including bonus shows, extended listener call-in shows, uh, live comedy commentaries over the movies that you can play the movie and have myself and my comedian friends make jokes over it, then become a Patreon on the Steel Wars Patreon. For just $3 a month, you get an RSS feed that you can paste into any podcast app that you use, and you have access to over 350 full-length Steel Wars pieces of content, and you have the warm glow that you're helping me continue the production of our Steel Wars podcast. It's a it's a cheap coffee once a month that you're not getting, or half a really expensive coffee. I'm not sure where you're buying coffee, you guys. I'm not here to judge. All I'm saying is three bucks would really help us out, and in return, you get more Star Wars podcasts than you can ever hope to listen to. It long, in-depth interviews, which unlike news-based shows are quite timeless. So you can go back and listen to our interviews with tons of people involved with the production of Star Wars. And of course, we'll be recording live at LA's Scum and Villainy Cantina on March 10th, Saturday afternoon at 3.30, as we review the season finale. The finale of the season. The finale of everything. The finale of Star Wars Rebels. And uh, we've got quite a guest list. I can already let you know that from the Rogue Rebels and Making Star Wars is now this podcasting. Sal Perales will be joining us. And also the hilarious Jenny Nicholson has promised me she's going to watch every episode of Star Wars Rebels before March 10th so she can review them in the special way that only Jennifer can. If you haven't listened to her live episode, wow, so very funny. And there's a YouTube clip of uh, one of the highlights as well. You can check that out on YouTube. Thank you guys so much. Enjoy the lead up to Mendo. I'll be posting a few uh, good episodes for you to listen to to uh, build up some anticipation on Twitter and Facebook. So check that out. And also, if you want to chat Star Wars with a bunch of sane Star Wars fans that do not lash out or go crazy if they have a differing opinion, join us at the Steel Wars Listener, Star Wars Safe Haven on Facebook. There is a link to that on steelwars.com or through the Steel Wars Facebook page. And uh, chat. I think there's about eight or nine hundred of us chatting in there and um it's really good times a great community thank you guys so much enjoy your mendo week and may that force be with you enjoy this clip from our patreon feed it's the juklin strikes back Mm, anyway it's hot bros yeah really hot maybe one so we're in Death Valley and we're at the petrol station and I've got this map with and I've marked out where all the Star Wars places are 
And then I can see these sand dunes just like... Because you don't know how far away things are on the map. Yeah. And I can see these sand dunes that were just there for no reason. It was very odd because they were... Yeah, they just seemed like someone... Just dumped poured a sand. lot of sand there. Yeah, because it was just in that one specific area and then the rest was more rocky and... Yeah, maybe like... 10 football fields by 10 football fields or something, just a random sun, sand dunes. But so I'm, I've got the map and I've got marked out sand dunes and I'm like, I wonder if they're the sand dunes. So I went inside and I said, are those sand dunes these ones on this map? They're like, yes, sir. And I was like, oh, Tatooine. <laughs> you also, there, <laughs> there was a guy using the bathroom. Oh. <laughs> That was wearing a Star Wars t-shirt and I saw him and I was like, oh, there's no way Steel's not going to harass this poor dude. <laughs> and you did. You came back looking all sheepish like, oh, I saw this guy in a Star Wars t-shirt and asked him if he was going to visit the spots and he looked at me like I was crazy. Now, when everyone's listening, <laughs> do you think that was me just telling that story about myself? Is that how that good the impression is? That was more high-pitched than I would normally Ugh. do. Um, yeah, so we had just the Star Wars logo t-shirt on. And it's in the middle of nowhere. He's just enjoying his day. Yeah, I went up to him and said, are you here to suss out the locations? He's like, what? And I'm like, <laughs> Get yeah, away from me. Star Wars around here. And he goes, eh, that's got a t-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> and then he didn't even follow up and ask what the location. He, he just wanted to get away from you. Yeah, he did not care. He did not care. So the sand dunes, we that was the first place we went to. And you can just park next to them and you sort of walk out like... 100 metres and they start and then, you know, you can work out a long way. But it's the sand dunes where Artu's just rolling and it's like he's on sand dunes and there's like a mountains in the background and the shot's from behind him. Mm. And he's just happily going through Tatooine. Because they filmed most of the photography in Tunisia, but then because they had problems with the droids, they had to, like, there were some shots, like establishing mm. shots that they needed to go out there just to get pickups of. So a few little um, A New Hope and Return of the Jedi scenes are filmed out there. But that photo, I posted... So I took out some action figures of the characters that were going to be in these scenes to take fun little photos. Yes. And... Well, you didn't actually. We walked all the way into the sand dunes. Oh, no, but I took them to the desert. Oh, yeah, sorry. Yeah, yeah. But we got... we Walking those dunes was no... Simple matter. It was... It was not a walk in the park. Oh, my God. It was a walk in the dunes. Also, we were in the desert, so it was really hot. Mm. And it was the kind of sand that just collapsed underneath you, so it was kind of like going up a stairmaster. Yes. So, we were kind of walking four steps, but only getting one step ahead each time. We get all the way out there, and then I said to Steel, oh, let's... Let's take a selfie really quick. Get R2 out. Steel starts wildly patting down all his pockets. <laughs> I was like, you have got to be kidding me. He's like, oh, I'll be right back. <laughs> <laughs> and you ran all the way back. I was exhausted just watching you. I was so tired because I was sort of, you know, because there were friends that weren't really, you know, like it was, it was a really cool thing to see the sand dunes, but it, you know, like it obviously meant more to, to us. And so well, you I did... hijacked Jolene's birthday trip. Oh, <laughs> we went and saw good things. No, we did. 
the, the, all like all things that were Star Wars related, mm. except the Jabba's Palace thing, mm. were, were quite nice tourist attractions. They were that artist palette. Come on, yeah, it was beautiful. It was beautiful, beautiful, <laughs> great, great scenic times. So yeah, I had to run back and and because I didn't want to take up everyone's time. Oh my god! And I was I had jeans on as well. Oh. It was brutal. But when I took the photo and I took my Instagram and I lined it up, like you can see the mount because the sand dunes move, so you can't can, can't find the same sand dune. Mm. But you can see the mountain range is like the exact same, like like up and down little graph. It's yeah, like, it was pretty incredible. And so I had this iPad out with all the pictures from the movie, and once I lined up the mountain in the photo of R two with the real mm. life, I was just like. <laughs> and don't worry guys I took plenty of pictures of Steel Rolling around in the sand Taking pictures of his toy <laughs> oh, It was awesome It was really cool Because like When You're a little kid Like we had a sand pit Where Where mum and dad's Room is now mm-hmm. At home That used to be a sand pit It's mm-hmm. like an extension And Oh that's right Because you always say Your toys are probably Buried oh, under the yeah, house so many toys Under that house And so it was like Tatooine, like on the sand, and it was like really cool. But to actually like play in Tatooine with, like it was, <laughs> it was really surreal. It was like, yeah. this is some high level, like you know, this is a good diorama. This it is this, very, this very lifelike. This yes. diorama. It was definitely to scale. And so that was cool, and we saw like this weird circular white lizard. And oh I, yeah, that was weird. And I think that was all the Star Wars stuff we did that day, on day one. Yeah, that was it. Then the next day, we there was the artist. What did we go to Pal- first? There was something before that, though. Did that you do we go to Jabba's Palace first? You had a false start where you looked. We hiked up a huge hill, a huge rocky hill, to find something. You couldn't find it, and then we. Discovered we're in the wrong location. Oh, was that the first one? Because we went and looked at other non-Star Wars-y... Oh, no. We did the um, R2 and C-3PO. Yeah, the Jabba's Palace. Oh, which one was the one where we had the false start? That was R2's Ravine. Oh. Yeah, so I think... I think I was staying in the car at that point. Yes. (laughs) Um... (laughs) Wait, but I think we went... I think we did Jabba's Palace first. Hmm. And so that was the lead-up where R2, at, right at the start of the film, R2 and C-3PO are walking through the desert, sort of through an old sort of riverbank sort mm. of thing. And that's real, and that's in Death Valley, and then they had a matte painting of Jabba's Palace. Yeah, that was really cool. And that's sort of like a real iconic thing for me because it's like, I think it's like the opening photo on the Star Wars storybook that you get from the school mail order. Oh, no. The scholastic, like... Oh, yeah, with the little guy with the glasses, the bird and the book. Yeah, and you'd order books and they'd come on a Friday or something. So, yeah, I got the Return of the Jedi one when it came out. And it was like, it was thrilling. But yeah, the opening page is them walking. That Like that photo that we brought to match it up. Yes. So we got to take a really... I So I got to take like an R2-D2 toy and C-3PO1 like down, crouching down. And then we took a really nice photo of us holding hands walking mm-hmm. to Jabba's Palace. And then I yeah posted up today, someone had photoshopped Jabba's Palace actually in there. So now it sort of looks like fake. 
Oh, that that's cool. That oh, yeah. yeah. Have you seen the one with the three? I did, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So that was really cool. And again, to line it all up was really like sweet. And then we went to that, it's non-Star Wars, but the Devil's Golf Course. They're, everything out oh. there, at, at Death Valley, we've got the Devil's Golf Course. Yeah, and, yeah. And slate, Satan's slot machine, you know, it's got everything. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, it was this weird rocky bed on the salt flats, which was weird because there was one thing we couldn't go see, and that's the lookout when Ben Kenobi goes, Moss Eisley Spaceport. Mm-hmm. Wretched Hive of Scum and Villainy. Now, the cliff he says it on, yes, that's in Tunisia. Right. But then the view of mm-hmm. the Moss Eisley spaceport, that's in Death Valley. At that section where it was below sea level? Yeah. The salt oh, that was cool. Moss Eisley, which right. is like a... You know, like uh, a matte painting on top of it. Mm-hmm. That's why, like, like, when we kept driving on the sh- roads past the salt flats, I was like, "This looks like Moss Eisley, like mm. the long shot." So, you you could go up normally, but because they had floods or something, you could go up to where they shot that angle down. Oh, that's cool. But it was sort of the cliff. You know where where it said um, sea level, like yeah. when we were down below, and there was that sign on the cliff that said yeah, sea level. Yeah, yeah. That. Above there, that's where the shot was taken of mm. Moss Eisley. So, it's got this photo of me sort of on the salt flats pointing to like that's where like yes. the camera was. But then we went to this place called Artist Palette, which was sort of on the way back to our campsite. And that was where R2 rolls in the little ravine just before the Jawas capture him. Mm-hmm. And it's sort of like at dusk. And it's that really nice sort of you know, like dusk shot. Yeah, you lined that one up really perfectly too. Yeah, and we went to the wrong one because it just sort of said on the website, drive in where there's a, like you go down this street called Artists something, Artist Lane or something, and it just said park at the parking spot. Mm. But it didn't say, there was two parking spots. So we went to the first one and me and Jake are like trying to, because it all looks the same, like the ravines. And we're trying to line it up and I'm just like, I, like, I was so happy with myself because it wasn't the right place. And I was just like going to Jake. I'm like, yeah, I just can't work it out. Because there was sort of two ravines and you could start, stand at either end. And I was like, no, nah, we just we just failed that one. Whereas I was sort of yeah. like, I was so glad I didn't take a photo and go, yeah, I reckon that's it. Yeah, yeah. 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 It just you didn't just feel knew. right. And then so we're driving off and I'm just like, no, oh, that was a bummer. And then there's a signed artist palette oh. and it was the right one. And it was because that other place was quite just desolate. But the artist Yeah, we palette, hiked up that rocky hill. But the actual artist palette was like this sort of cliff mm. face. It with, was beautiful. It had greens, pinks. Yeah, because it sort of looked like, you know, like a painter's palette with all the colours ready yeah. to paint. It was really nice. But then, yeah, we found exactly the R2-D2 rolling place. And then I got to go down and stand like in that spot mm. and yeah when you see the like i don't know especially that one like when i like to be in it is just so oh my god i'm in star wars yeah like it's such this little kid of just like that universe exists yeah and just like when you're little and you saw like stuff that kind of oh, it's kind of like tatooine but it's mm. like you're there it's so cool yeah um and then i got my souvenir i got was a rock Yes. Which, which R2 is sitting on at the moment. 
Yes, very cute. But it symbolizes the thing I I love the rock. I've got to set it up differently because in this is one of my favorite foibles in Star Wars. Mm-hmm. When they brought out the Blu-rays, for some reason, right? Mm-hmm. George Lucas CGI'd a rock. When R2-D2's, you know, he hides and, and Ben Kenobi like comes out and goes, hello there, my little friend. Oh, yes, yes. Yeah, so for some reason, George Lucas goes, oh, this scene, R2 needs to be behind a rock more. So he CGI'd a rock in. Like, oh, it just wow. blows my mind at how he could come up with that. Like, you got this crazy movie and this is this basic This is what scene, we need, yeah. And it's like, rock. <laughs> what is wrong with you? He was bored. But, um, so I've got a rock, so I'm going to set it up that R2-D2's getting hidden by the rock when I oh, set it up cute. properly. It's like, but it's actually a real rock. It's not CGI. And it's a real rock from, from the location. There. The irony. You've stolen from a national park. Oh. That's right. Edit point. Edit point. <laughs> <laughs> to hear the full version of this and many other bonus episodes on the Steel Wars Patreon feed, join our $3 content club Patreon level for a month of unbridled Steel Wars bonus feed access, as well as the warm feeling that you're helping the podcast continue production. Check it all out at patreon.com forward slash Steel Wars. If you're like me and you want to check out as many quality voices in Star Wars fandom as possible, check out the Making Star Wars podcast network at makingstarwars.net. Not only is makingstarwars.net the home for the hottest news and rumors in the Star Wars universe, but they have also got a top-shelf podcast network. Now, this is podcasting. Rebel Girl, The Cantina Cast, Blue Harvest, The Rogue One, a podcast for winners. The Sith List, Podcast 2187, Tarkin's Top Shelf, The Idiot's Array. All available on iTunes or makingstarwars.net. Just hit the podcast network button. This podcast is part of the Planet Broadcasting Network. Visit planetbcasting.com for more podcasts from our great mates. I mean, if you want. It's up to you. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. 